Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Just Human, episode 239, I believe. We are going to pick up where we left off on Friday, reading Trump's motion to compel discovery in the Docs case. We'll see how far we get. I've added a little bit to my thread over the weekend, but not a whole lot. <clears throat> we'll go as far as that thread goes, and if you know, if we still have time, uh, we'll dive right into the document and just keep on going beyond the thread that I've composed. Uh, I do have I I do have the ability to go an extra hour this morning. So an extra hour was requested. Uh, some would say paid for last week with a very generous donation, a very generous Rumble rant. The the extra hour will happen today because I don't have to. Uh, I don't go on dad duty until a, l a little bit later. So extra hour today. It's going to be a three hour show. And it's going to be all documents. I, we're just going right and we're just doing documents this morning. So if that's your jam, if that's what you like with your morning coffee, then you're in luck because that's that's all we're concerned with this morning is documents. Last night on Defected, we had a fun episode and we talked Ron DeSantis bowing out and uh, endorsing Trump, which... I said would happen and many other people said would happen because we all know it was kayfabe all along. We know it. Even people who say they don't know it, they know it. Uh, what good times this is. What good times this is. The GOP establishment is their golden boy who they thought could be MAGA light. Who there was their, their, uh, He was their their safety, I guess. Like they were all hoping something would happen to Trump. Either he would be fall victim to some health issue, 
or more likely that one of the the docs cases like one of the jack smith's cases would take him out or something they they thought that you know i really think they thought that the support wasn't real i think sometimes they believe that or rather they don't believe just how strong the support for trump is and they really they really thought after january 6th he was done i think a lot of them really thought that they were so wrong imagine being so elite yet so wrong a terrible thing all right. It's document time. Hope you guys got your coffee. I hope you guys are ready for this. Um, before we get into it, though, hit the thumbs up. Go to my support links. If you're interested in supporting the show, if you're interested in finding me on social media, here's all the places that I am right here in the link tree. Here's all my support links at, at ko-fi.com. You can buy me a cup of coffee. You can leave me a nice note, which I really appreciate, and I read all of those. Um, you guys are really kind, and I I appreciate it. It is it is absolutely necessary that my coffee cup remains full <laughs> at all times. You can also hit the Benson Honey Farms affiliate link and get yourself some Benson Honey or some soap. Some of you guys need to wash up, I'm sure. Right here. You spend too much time in the document library, you know, you start smelling kind of dusty. They got some awesome soap over here, some goat milk soap. But the honey is the main thing, and it is, de it is delicious. I love the Bensons, and if you hit that link before you make your purchase, you know, you hit the link and it takes you to their site, then whenever you purchase over here, they kick a few dollars my way. Bootleg Products, another awesome sponsor. Uh, shout out to, where's he at? I saw him. I saw him in the chat. Bootleg Salsa Man. Sup, man? Good morning. Glad you're here. Bootleg Salsa makes awesome products. They're delicious, natural products. Everything I have had from them is awesome. My family loves it. My extended family loves their products. It's just great stuff. And if you use the affiliate link in the description of the show or in my link tree, then whatever you buy over here, they'll kick a few dollars my way of the purchase and as you can see you get free shipping on dollars over fifty dollars uh yeah they have awesome products and you know fresh and natural ingredients no artificial preservatives no gluten or msg i made um let's see i made fajitas this past week and i made uh breakfast burritos this past week and i made steak this past week every time i used bootleg seasoning i love their seasonings And then manly cans valentine's day is coming up hopefully you have a manly man in your life and if you do that manly man probably would enjoy one of these cans so you pick him out something for valentine's day use my affiliate link and they will kick a few dollars my way then I also have merch. The coffee cup is the number one seller and it is the best item on here. If you go to the merch store and hit influencer collection, you find my mug over here. There's shirts and there's hoodies and there's stickers and there's glasses and there's koozies and all that stuff. But uh, the mug is where it's at. The coffee mug is where it's at. So, 
those are all the places. And if you guys don't know, I have been, um, I've been clipping, uh, out segments from this show and right here on rumble, there's a playlist and you can find my Durham report playlist. You can find my John Benet Ramsey episode, and then you can find clips from the show right here. And, uh, this right here, um, Ooh, I just made, I realized I made a mistake. All right. I need to add, I need to add something to it. I did not add the McGonagall one. Okay. I got that one. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Did I miss? I think I missed putting Vivek Ramaswampy on the playlist. I did. Okay. I'm going to put this on the clips right here. And there we go. McGonagall. I clipped that from last week. Uh, on the Friday show and added that there. So if you have someone, a lot of, a lot of people are sleeping on the McGonagall case. Uh, they don't, they don't realize, uh, what's going on in this case and how significant it is. So I made a playlist right here, or I made a clip of the show from last week. And, uh, yeah, if you're interested, there it is. So if you ever want a clip from the show, it's on my rumble page under playlist. And if you guys have requests, for clips, I'm happy to uh, to abide. Oh, sweet. Bootleg Salsa says that the chili is their number one selling item right now. Their chili is awesome. It's the right time of year for it. It's the right time of year for chili. And Bootleg Salsa chili, I have to admit, is better than mine. I've been making salsa at home. I mean, uh, making chili at home for, de over a, for decades. Damn. For like... Almost two decades I've made chili on my own at home. And it's good. And my father-in-law's chili is pretty good. I like them. But bootleg chili is on another level. It's a tier above. So if you guys are in the mood for chili, I'm telling you, bootleg salsa, use my affiliate link. Get yourself some chili. You won't regret it. It is so good. All right, where we left off was Deborah Steidel Wall's May 10th, 2022 letter to Trump's attorneys. And I know that sounds extremely exciting. Uh, calm down. Calm down. I know how exciting that is. Don't get too worked up just yet. So I think we're going to start off right here, and we're going we're gonna to read this document to remind everybody, because this document came out at the same time, around the same time, that uh, Cash Patel and John Solomon were representatives of Trump to NARA, and they were working on transferring more more boxes of documents from Mar-a-Lago to NARA, and they were slow walking it. They were they were uh, saying we're going to claim executive privilege over these documents. Where we think these fall under the PRA. I remember Cash Patel gave that interview. I think it was to Breitbart, if I remember. And he said that these documents concern Crossfire Hurricane and Hillary Clinton's email server investigation and all that stuff, and that Trump declassified all of these documents. So this email is, I mean, this letter is to Trump's attorneys, uh, specifically Evan Corcoran. Okay. And they say, this is from NARA, they say, I write in response to your letters of April 29th, 2022 and May 1st, 2022, requesting that the National Archives and Record Administration further delay the disclosure 
to the Federal Bureau of Investigation of the records that were the subject of our April 12th, 2022 notification to an uh, authorized representative of former President Trump. As you are no doubt aware, NARA had ongoing communications with the former president's representatives throughout 2021 about what appeared to be missing presidential records, which resulted in the transfer of 15 boxes of records to NARA in January 2022. In its initial review of materials within those boxes, NARA identified marked as classified national security information up to the level of top secret and including sensitive compartmented information and special access program materials. NARA informed the Department of Justice about the discovery, which prompted the department to ask the president to request that NARA provide that that would be Biden. Okay. They, they prompt it prompted the department of justice to ask president Biden to request that NARA provide the FBI with access to the boxes at issue so that the FBI and others in the intelligence community could examine them. On April 11th, 2022, the White House Counsel's Office, affirming a request from the Department of Justice, supported by an FBI letterhead memorandum, formally transmitted a request that NARA provide the FBI access to the 15 boxes for its review within seven days, with the possibility that the FBI might request copies of specific documents following its review of the boxes. Although the presidential records, so the way, you know, this is NARA has these documents. They identify some marked classified documents within the 15 boxes they took from Mar-a-Lago. They notify Department of Justice, hey, we got some marked classified material here. Department of Justice goes to President Biden, says, hey, we need you to authorize NARA to transfer this stuff to the FBI to let them get a look at it. President Biden actually lets NARA make the decision and NARA decides to do that, to comply with that, and then they get transmitted to the FBI. Although the Presidential Records Act generally restricts access to presidential records in NARA's custody for several years after the conclusion of a president's tenure in office, the statute further provides that, quote, subject to any rights, defenses, or privileges which the United States or any agency or person may invoke, such records shall be made available to an incumbent president, meaning the current one, if such records contain information that is needed for the conduct of current business of the incumbent president's office and that is not otherwise available. Those conditions are satisfied here. As the Department of Justice's National Security Division explained to you on April 29, 2022, quote, there are important national security interests in the FBI and others in the intelligence community getting access to these materials. According to NARA, among the materials in the boxes are over 100 documents with classification markings comprising more than 700 pages. Some include the highest levels of classification, including special access program materials. Access to the materials is not only necessary for the purpose, purposes of our ongoing criminal investigation, but the executive branch must also conduct an assessment of the potential damage resulting from the apparent manner in which these materials were stored and transported and take any necessary remedial steps. Accordingly, we are seeking immediate access to these materials so as to facilitate the necessary assessments that need to be conducted within the executive branch. I'm reminded here that early on, one of the theories bandied about 
which I for a while subscribed to and sort of still do. I'll still leave this open that um, perhaps this had to do with Durham and Durham was who needed access to these things. Because they say it was for an ongoing criminal investigation. Uh, now, it does make sense on its face that it was the ongoing criminal investigation of Trump. Uh, and they were creating the crime for which they were investigating him. But I also leave open the possibility that this was triggered by Durham looking for crossfire hurricane documents ahead of writing his report. And those documents being the crossfire hurricane binder we've heard about and Trump having copies of it. And those being within the 15 boxes he returned to NARA and that triggering the request to NARA for those documents. Okay. So I, I kind of, I, I keep that open. I keep that open here because we don't actually know what these documents are. We know this according to Cash Patel, who was Trump's representative to NARA, they are crossfire hurricane related documents and Clinton email server related documents. So that's all Durham stuff. And then according to reports from Jack Smith and a filing from Jack Smith, at least some of them have to do with Iran and a defense department plan on how to conduct a shadow war against Iran, which Trump approved. So those are the two, if I'm, if unless I'm forgetting something, those are the two categories of marked classified information, the two, the nature of two types of documents or categories of documents that, that were at Mar-a-Lago that are concerned here. Um, if I'm forgetting a category, feel free to throw it into, into chat. All right, we advised you in writing on April 12th that, quote, in light of the urgency of this request, we plan to provide access to the FBI next week, i.e. the week of April 18th. But authorizing the archivist to specify a shorter period of time, if required under the circumstances, the archivist may adjust any time period of deadline under this subpart as appropriate to accommodate records requested under this section. In response to a request from other representative, another representative of the former president, the White House Counsel's Office acquiesced in an extension of the production date to April 29th, and so advised NARA. In accord with that agreement, we had not yet provided the FBI with access to the records when we received your letter on April 29th, and we have continued to refrain from providing such access to date. It has now been four weeks since we first informed you of our intent to provide the FBI access to the boxes so that it and other intelligence community, uh, others in the intelligence community, can conduct their reviews. Notwithstanding the urgency conveyed by the Department of Justice and the reasonable extension off afforded to the former president, your April 29th letter asks for additional time for you to review the materials in the boxes, quote, in order to ascertain whether any specified document is subject to privilege and then to consult with the former president, quote, so that he may personally make any decision to assert a claim of constitutionally based privilege. Your April 29th letter further states that in the event we do not afford you further time to review the records before NARA discloses them in response to the request, we should consider your letter to be, quote, a protective assertion of executive privilege made by counsel for the former president. So by de default, uh, it will be considered a, an assertion of executive privilege. The counsel to the president has informed me 
that in light of the particular circumstances presented here, President Biden defers to my determination in consultation with the Assistant Attorney General for the Office of Legal Counsel regarding whether or not I should uphold the former president's purported, quote, protective assertion of executive privilege. This interests me that Biden himself did not weigh in on the issue of executive, executive privilege. Instead, he deferred on the advice of his legal counsel to NARA and to the assistant attorney general. I'm not sure if that's Devo-y, but it seems, it seems kind of odd. I'm not aware if that is normal. Is it normal for the president to decline on this executive privilege stuff, like decline to assert himself on it? Is it just because Trump was his likely opponent? Um, and so he's Biden is getting some insulation there? Or is it because Biden doesn't have the authority to weigh in because of some sort of continuity of government situation? I don't know. But regardless... Uh, it was deferred to NARA and the Assistant Attorney General for the Office of Legal Counsel to determine whether or not this executive privilege applied over these documents and Trump could withhold them from being reviewed by the FBI and the intelligence community. Accordingly, I've consulted with the Assistant Attorney General for the Office of Legal Counsel to inform my determination as to whether to honor the former president's claim of executive privilege or instead to disclose the presidential records notwithstanding the claim of privilege. The assistant attorney general has advised me that there is no precedent for an assertion of executive privilege by a former president against an incumbent president to prevent the latter from obtaining from NARA presidential records belonging to the federal government, where, quote, such records contain information that is needed for the conduct of current business of the incumbent president's office and that is not otherwise available. Really makes you want to know what these documents are, doesn't it? What is it that President Trump was asserting executive privilege over? To the contrary, the Supreme Court's decision in Nixon versus Administrator of General Services strongly suggests that a former president may not successfully assert executive privilege, quote, against the very executive branch in whose name the privilege is invoked. In Nixon versus GSA, the court rejected former President Nixon's argument that a statute requiring the presidential records from his term in office be maintained in the custody of and screened by NARA's predecessor agency, a, quote, very limited intrusion by personnel in the executive branch sensitive to executive concerns and would, quote, impermissibly interfere with the candid communication of views by presidential advisors. The court specifically noted that an, quote, incumbent president should not be dependent on happenstance or the whim of a prior president when he seeks to access uh, seeks access to records of past decisions that define or channel current government obligations. That makes sense on its face, right? Like it makes sense that you can't have a former president restricting access to documents that are needed by the current administration. It, it just makes sense on its face. You, you wouldn't have an ex the executive branch couldn't function if that was the case. Imagine if Obama 
had restricted access to a like if Obama had taken a bunch of records from his admin and stored them and then restricted access to them and like prevented Trump's administration from accessing them and like you just like switch switch this out just imagine Obama being the target of this and how we would interpret it how we would quote unquote feel about it right uh and then anytime there was a change of political party in the executive branch you would have this situation where the previous administration was withholding records from the current one and it, it would it would just be bad it wouldn't work So, and yeah, see, uh, and right at that time, Kelly brings up uh, Obama and, and his records, right? So, Obama's records, NARA got them. So, there's some weird stuff going on with, it's it's like, there's like this weird fake news with Obama's records. Um, Let me go over here. That's PIDB. Uh, no, no, I want Nara. I clicked on one of my bookmarks. Okay. And where it's in the press releases, I believe. Publications, orgs and offices. Where is it? Archive news. I think it's here. It's in their press releases. There are the press releases. Okay. Okay. And then... October, I want 2023. Actually, I think I want 2022. I think it was in August, maybe it was September. So Nara addressed the issue of Obama's archives. It is not there. Where is it? I'm going to find it, guys. I'm going to find it. I'm trying to remember where the page is that has this listing of all these press releases regarding presidential records. Um, where is it at? Libraries. I know I know this. Uh and so Obama White House Argos. That's someone I want. There is there is a specific press release. Um oh yeah. This might be it. No, that's not it. Not a damn it. I'm kind of rabbit trailing here, but this is important. Um, 
here. I've posted about it before. Okay, that's Obama's section on the archives. Um, I want the press release. There it is. This is it. Press statements in response to media queries about presidential records. And then there's one from August that has to do with Obama. I think it's August 12th. Yes. Okay. So it says the National Archives and Records Administration assumed exclusive legal and physical custody of Obama, uh, Obama presidential records when President Barack Obama left office in 2017 in accordance with the Presidential Records Act. NARA moved approximately 30 million pages of unclassified records to a NARA facility in Chicago area, where they are maintained exclusively by NARA. Additionally, NARA maintains the classified Obama presidential records in a NARA facility in Washington, D.C. area, as required by the PRA. Former President Obama has no control over where and how NARA stores the presidential records of his administration. Which is really interesting that they made, like they're making an effort to say it's exclusive to NARA. Obama has no control. Like they're very, very, they're emphasizing that point in this statement. Like it almost makes it sound like, like, dang, why doesn't Obama have any in, in like control over this? It's his records, aren't they? Like, doesn't that stand out as like, whoa, why is why are they emphasizing that Obama has no control over his records? And that it's only NARA. Like, are they and this was this was four days after uh the FBI raid on on Mar-a-Lago. So it, it stood out to me that, um, that they said this, uh, cause I think they're like, they put this out four days after the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And I think it's a defensive statement, uh, to try and justify their, uh, their effort to get Trump's records. Right. So like they're putting this out to like defensively to head off accusations that, oh, you allowed Obama to do such and such, but you won't allow Trump to do such and such. Um, it's really interesting to me. And like, we know that um, in the drops, let's see, does it mention it with Nara in the name? Uh, let's see. It's a letter from Obama's office to, oh, it's, oh, it's, oh, it's not lost. I'll have to look up that link later. Okay. I'm trying to remember what terms the, uh, 
the drop uses. Is it Obama archives? Is it just archives? What is it? Um, trying to remember what words the, the drop uses when it talks about Obama's archives. Um, dang it. I can't remember. There's going to be it. There's 80 posts with Obama. Okay, let me see. Look, I'm going to look for an archive of this link. No, there isn't. There isn't one. Okay, let's see. Let's try archive.org, see if it was archived there. Let me go back to this. Yeah, Kelly, I'm aware I'm aware of the reports. Um, but that's what the uh that's what that NARA press statement is talking about. This press statement is talking about that that facility in Chicago, uh, that warehouse that you're referring to. That's what this NARA runs that warehouse. And those are the unclassified records. So the lack of security isn't that big of a deal because that, that warehouse houses unclassified records. So it's literally, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a storage warehouse. It, it doesn't need to have a whole lot of security because they're unclassified anyway. Can I get the original? Let me see the original. There we go. Here we go. Yes, I've seen this before. This is March 13th, 2020 from the Obama uh, Foundation, maybe? Representatives of Obama and Michelle, of Barack and Michelle, I mean. And they are writing a response to a November 21st, 2019 request from Senator Johnson and Senator Grassley to NARA for Obama administration records related to Ukraine. And they say, as you know, under the Presidential Records Act, the records requested are scheduled for release pursuant to terms under that act. NARA is authorized to provide special access to presidential records to a committee of either House or Congress before their scheduled release, provided the information in the records is needed for the conduct of its business and is not otherwise available. By law, both the former and incumbent presidents are provided an opportunity to review documents and withhold documents from release in order to protect the constitutionally based interest and in the confidentiality of presidential communications. The express terms of the Presidential Records Act, together with the established norms govern governing its ongoing administration, achieve Congress's legislative purpose of ensuring the public of ownership of presidential records while uh, assiduously minimizing outside interference with the day-to-day -day operations of the president and his closest advisors. 
President Obama has consistently supported nonpartisan administration of presidential records and the commitment to transparency's core of NARA, NARA's mission. However, their current request is not a proper use of the limited NARA exceptions. There's a footnote that says since 2017, the office of President Obama has produced 12,880 pages of presidential records in response to special access requests from White House and Congress. Ooh, that's really interesting. That would be Trump's White House and Congress who are have requested over 12, almost 13,000 pages of records from the Obama administration. However, the current request is not proper. It arises out of efforts by some actively supported by Russia to shift the blame for Russian interference in the 2016 election to Ukraine. See Fiona Hill. Wow. House Special Committee on Intelligence. Select Committee on Intelligence Testimony. David Hale, Senate Committee on Foreign Relations Testimony. This use of the special access process serves no legitimate purpose and does not outweigh or justify infringing confidentiality interests. Nevertheless, in the interest of countering the, mis the misinformation campaign underlying this request, we are prepared to, on this occasion to provide the committee's access to records responsive to this request. Very interesting. You have Obama engaged in a similar process to the process that they put Trump through. Now, I still want to find the drop that really set people off on the Obama records uh, rabbit hole thing. Because uh, there's definitely a drop that addresses it. And I just don't remember exactly the words it uses to find it. When I searched archive and records, nothing came up. Um, it's Monday. We're going to, we're going to rabbit trail a little bit. That's fine. Our first deployment, I think it's there. I would hit up absolute 1776, but he, I think he's probably still asleep. He sleeps in. Not to throw him under the bus. He stays up late, but he would know off the top of his head. There is definitely there's definitely a drop that talks about these records and where is it? Any examples? Whiskey Tango says twenty nine fifty nine. I'm almost to that one. I'm gonna scroll ahead. Oh no, never mind. I'm not almost to it. I went past it. 29.59. Oh, it didn't come up. Okay. It's not in this list. Whiskey found it. Good job, Whiskey.
There we go. Okay, okay. That's it. It was under Hussein and not Obama. That's it. Good job, Whiskey. Okay. Um, all right, so the the stuff about Chicago and the warehouse and the furniture, like all that stuff doesn't matter to me. That's all unclassified stuff. In a way, that's all that's all like a red herring. Like all that stuff about Obama Foundation and Obama Library and records in Chicago and all that stuff, that's that's a red herring because it's all it's all unclassified. Uh what matters is the classified stuff. And the classified stuff, according to Nara, who is the authority for it, um, not saying that they're infallible, but Nara according to them, have assumed exclusive legal and physical custody of Obama's records, both unclassified and classified. There's 30 million pages of unclassified in the facility in Chicago. The classified records are in a NARA facility in D.C. This drop says Hussein gave the order to start, start the spy campaign. It was logged officially twice. One domestic, one foreign. The FISA judge had a White House meeting. Not sure if that was Bozberg was on the uh, uh, was there at that time. Not sure if it was if anybody which judge it's referring to specifically. I don't remember exactly. Um, White House visitor logs are important. Hussein Library classified doc move attempt to shelter protect. Who has authorized to obtain? The more you know. So NARA moved them, the classified records, to a facility in Washington, D.C. And as that statement from Obama from uh, November 2020 said, or March of 2020 said, over almost 13,000 documents have been made available to Congress and the Trump admin, the Trump White House, uh, during his first term. So anyway, there's this battle that has played out uh, over Obama's records um, and getting access to those. And I I always felt like this statement from NARA addressing the fake news was also an attempt by NARA to defend themselves. Right? And then Trump, Trump's battle with NARA over his presidential records uh it bring it brings all this up again. Okay, we rabbit trailed a bit. Let's go back. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, we read that. Concluding the act renders and delete disruptive. Okay, next paragraph. It is not necessary. S P N Z. It is not necessary that I decide whether this is Deborah Stider Wall writing. It is not necessary that I decide whether they might be there might be any circumstances in which a former president could successfully assert a claim of executive privilege to prevent 
an executive branch agency from having access to presidential records for the performance of valid executive functions. The question in this case is not a close one. The executive branch here is seeking access to records belonging to and in the custody of the federal government itself, not only in order to investigate whether those records were handled in an unlawful manner, but also, as the National Security Division explained, to, quote, conduct an assessment of the potential damage resulting from the apparent manner in which these materials were stored and transported and take any necessary remedial steps. These reviews will be conducted by government uh, by current government personnel who, like the archival officials in Nixon versus GSA, are, quote, sensitive to executive concerns. By the way, the boxes at Mar-a-Lago were packed by the GSA including Cassidy Hutchinson. Trump didn't pack the boxes himself. (laughs) And on the other side of the balance, there is no reason to believe that such reviews could, quote, adversely affect the ability of future presidents to obtain the candid advice necessary for effective decision-making. To the contrary, ensuring that classified information is appropriately protected and taking any necessary remedial action if it was not are Uh, action if it was not are steps essential to preserving the ability of future presidents to quote receive the full and frank submissions of facts and opinions upon which effective discharge of their duties depends because an assertion of executive privilege against the incumbent president under these circumstances would not be viable it follows that there is no basis for the former president to make a quote, protective assertion of executive privilege, which the assistant attorney general informs me has never been made outside the context of a congressional demand for information from the executive executive branch. Even assuming for the sake of argument that a former president may under some circumstances make such a protective assertion of executive privilege to preclude the archivist from complying with a disclosure otherwise prescribed by 44 U.S.C. 2205, paragraph 2, there is no predicate for such a protective assertion here, where there is no realistic basis that the requested delay would result in a viable assertion of executive privilege against the incumbent president that would prevent disclosure of records for the purpose of review. Accordingly, the only end that would be served by upholding the protective assertion here would be to delay those very important reviews. I have therefore decided not to honor the former president's protective claim of privilege. My understanding of that is she's saying that there's no, there's no value here in upholding executive privilege over something where a review is being conducted to assess Possible damage done um, by the way these documents were stored and where their location. And yes, to conduct an assessment of potential damage. The executive branch here is seeking access to records belonging to and in the custody of the federal government already. To investigate those records for how they were handled or mishandled if they were handled unlawfully to make that determination and to assess whatever damage might have been done by them being unlawfully handled. Ensure that ensuring that classified information is appropriately protected and taking any necessary remedial action. If it was not, 
I have therefore decided not to honor former president's protective claim of privilege. The claim asserted by the former president, the archivist discloses the presidential record. For the same reason, I've concluded that there is no uh, reason to grant your request for a further delay before the FBI and others in the intelligence community begin their reviews. Accordingly, NARA will provide the FBI access to the records in question, as requested by the incumbent president, beginning as early as Thursday, May 12th, 2022. Please note that in accordance with PRA 44 USC 2205 paragraph 3, the former president's designated representatives can review the records, subject to maintaining the appropriate level of security clearance. Please contact Gary Stern. This this is interesting if you've been following along with uh, all of the reading in the docs case that we've been doing on this show. Isn't it interesting that here she's saying that the former president's designated representatives, such as Cash Patel, John Solomon, etc., can review the records as long as they have the appropriate security clearances. But yet Jack Smith's special counsel is actively trying to prevent Trump's own defense attorneys who have clearances from seeing these same documents right now. So Nara was will Nara says right here in this ver- this letter from May 10th, 2022, your representatives who have clearances, they can also look at these records. But now Jack Smith has charged Trump over these records and is saying his attorneys can't see them. Okay. Wait a minute. I think I need to scroll down. There we go. All right. This is where we are. Now, June 3rd, 2022. Here, let me pull up. Now, I'll, I'll keep going here with my thread. All right. June 3rd. This is, we're back to Trump's discovery motion. June 3rd, 2022. Trump's attorneys turn over records with classified markings. This is po- This is about less than a month after that letter we just read. And then August 8th, the FBI raids Mar-a-Lago. On June 3rd, 2022, President Trump's attorneys turned over these records. August 8th, acting on the explicit authorization from the Biden's uh, Biden administration's attorney general, the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago. Raided. Additional investigative steps are discussed below in connection with specific discovery requests. In late 2022, late September 2022, Trump informs the court that the special counsel's office is deficient in its discovery obligations. The deficiencies are ongoing. So they were deficient back then. That was a month after the raid, a month and a half after the raid. And then now they're they're still deficient. In late September 23, President Trump informed the court of these deficiencies. The deficiencies are ongoing, including a failure to sep- uh sorry, I put 2022, 2023 typo on my part including a failure to produce materials that are subject to Brady and Rule 16A1 and outstanding witness-related materials pursuant to the Jinx Act and Giglio. Jinx Act is uh, like FBI internal communications. On the time frame that the office agreed to last summer. And if you guys have been following along with my reading of this case, then you know that this has always been a complaint of Trump's team, that Jack Smith publicly told in, in filings and in... Uh, in hearings before Judge Cannon said, I'm going to 
provide all the discovery, every page of it by a certain date. It's all going to be out there. And he's never complied with that request. He's never followed through on it. In an effort to address these issues without the need for judicial intervention, President Trump sent a series of classified and unclassified discovery requests to the special counsel's office on October 9th, October 19th, October 31st, November 1st. This is all fall of last year. The office responded to these requests by letters dated October 16th, October 30th, October no- or November 8th. Quote, although the prosecutors produced some additional materials, they rejected most of the request. January 10th of this year, defense disclosed core defense themes that support the remaining request. The special counsel's office has not revised its responses or provided additional information since the call. So Trump's team, in an effort to get discovery and to get more of it, have revealed that they needed as part of their defense against Trump. And so they've given the prosecutors an insight into what their defense is going to be at trial. And they're saying, this is why we need this. We need these materials. They are discoverable because they are essential to our defense of our client. And Jack Smith still has not complied with turning over this material. The special counsel has yet to produce the defense counsel forensic images of the devices it obtained during the course of its investigation, despite having provided such devices to Deloitte for processing or Deloitte uh, for processing in or around March of 2023, according to a request for non-FBI processing submitted to the FBI. At the core of the pending discovery disputes is the failure of the special counsel's office to acknowledge the consequences for discovery of prosecutors' extensive coordination and resource sharing with the White House, senior officials at DOJ and FBI, and numerous agencies in the intelligence community and other parts of the government. The office cannot reap the benefits of these coordinated activities while ignoring exculpatory information and other discoverable evidence in the same offices. So this is this is a key point here. Jack Smith's special counsel is getting information and they're they're conducting they're having resource sharing, resources of the White House, resources of DOJ and FBI, and resources of of numerous agencies within the intelligence community. They're sharing those resources and working together to build one, eventually, initially the investigation, then the indictment, and now the prosecution of President Trump. Yet the special counsel's office is preventing any discovery of those resources that are being shared amongst all of these agencies with the special counsel's office. The resolution of this issue has important ramifications for discovery during the remainder of the case. The office must conduct the case file reviews mandated by the Justice Manual. The prosecutors must address President Trump's discovery request from that perspective. These reviews and responses must include pertinent data from the classified systems used by the agencies, including 
the classified email accounts used by the prosecutors and their associates that are described in part one of the classified supplement. That's the supplement that goes along with this motion to compel discovery. Prosecutors must conduct a thorough review of Giglio and Jinx Act material before offering trial testimony from one of the agency's employees. So what they're trying to do here is they're, um, the prosecute special counsel Smith is planning to use officials from these agencies and have them give testimony at trial to further their prosecution of Trump, but they're not letting Trump's team have, have discovery on these employees and the work and the materials these employees have produced for the special counsel's office. Can't do that. Can't do that. Responsive materials may ultimately need to be addressed through additional rounds of SIPA. That's the Classified Information Protection Act or whatever, Procedures Act. In light of the material evidence uncovered through FOIA, but hidden by the special counsel's office, the court should reject any opposition to this motion that lacks a sworn declaration providing assurances that the office has reviewed and reviewed and disclosed all communications and evidence that is relevant to the issues of coordination, resource sharing, and investigative alignment that govern the scope of the prosecution team. Personnel from the agencies discussed below are part of the prosecution team for purposes of the discovery obligations of the special counsel's office under Brady Giglio rule 16, a one E and the jinx act beginning with NARA. I'm going to read this. I'm just going to read it straight from the document. NARA is part of the prosecution team in this case, because of the agency's participation in significant investigative steps, such as the collection and review of the 15 boxes and its close coordination with DOJ FBI and the white house. By the way, this Saab Moran case is the Alex Saab case that I've written about several times before. It's interesting to see it in here. It also makes me feel really good that like that case stood out to me as one that was really notable. And then now I'm seeing it appear in Trump's filings and it's like, it's like confirmation that my, like I had my, I was calibrated, right? Like I had my, my mind was calibrated correctly to notice that it was a significant case as the special counsel's office can see, or I just got lucky as the special counsel's office can <laughs> conceded in the district of Columbia. This includes NARA OIG, which participated in the investigation by at least the time of February 9th, 2022 and their sham referral email and in subsequent communications with the FBI and others. By fall of 2021, NARA's general counsel had redacted. There we go. Redacted. NARA communicated with the White House counsel and senior DOJ officials regarding the 15 boxes and then acted at the direction of those components by providing details to NARA OIG, the inspector general of the intelligence community, and the FBI. Here is that email. Subject line, forward, issue, re, potential destruction of presidential records. Hi, Thomas. This is to Thomas Wyndham. Might we have a moment to discuss the below matter concerning redacted with you tomorrow? Thanks. Redacted. Special agent in charge, NARA OIG. 
And then more redactions, 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 redactions. And then we have this one. I messed, I flipped the exhibits, but it's fine because this, uh, this email is also important. Good morning. Tom has time tomorrow at 0800 or at 1.30 via Google Meet. Uh, further evidence of why I need redacted help. Since I'll be working in the office today, I think we need to just do a teleconference. I'll be working from home. My days are fairly full, but redacted can make some time by rearranging meetings if necessary. I did not see the redacted email address anywhere. Could you please forward it to me? Our agency uses Google Meet. And this one, this is to Thomas Wyndham. CC Jason Metric and Brett Baker. Request for a meeting regarding potential high-level spillage. Sir, our agency just gave us a quick brief on what appears to be a very high-level potential spillage and records management issue. When they notified the DOJ, the Office of Deputy Attorney General told them to contact us and your office. Do you have some time to meet Tomorrow or next day, meet virtually. Please let us know. John Sims, Counsel of the Inspector General, OIG of NARA. February 2022. NARA OIG contacted Assistant Special Counsel Thomas P. Wyndham, among others, because by that time, NARA OIG was already working with Wyndham on a related investigation of President Trump. Hmm. About a week later, following a, con following a congressional inquiry related to the 15 boxes, NARA sent the sham referral to the public integrity section. Noah, no, no. By the way, thank you. Uh, but no, Ramaswampy is definitely not going to be the VP. Not a, not a chance, not a chance. So here's the, uh, exhibit 17, uh, which is NARA OIG sent the sham referral to the public integrity section. Uh, see exhibit 17 and here it is nice and redacted for all of us. It's just from John Keller sent Thursday, February 10th, 2022 subject issue a potential destruction of presidential records. Thank you for your email redacted. And Jason, I appreciate you taking the time to discuss these matters in more detail in our virtual meeting this afternoon. Redacted, 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 redacted. Redacted. Respectfully redacted. All right. Back to the filing. One of the first steps, invest, one of the first investigative steps taken by the FBI appears to have been the redacted. The partisan gamesmanship by NARA reflected in this report, as well as other documents, puts the lie to NARA's public claim in April 2023 that NARA does not consider itself to be involved in the work of or investigations by the requesters. The fact that NARA said this is 
it's unbelievable. Now that we have like all these FOIA documents and we see the role that Nara played in the beginnings of this, the fact that Nara had the, the moxie, like the audacity to come out and say, we don't consider ourselves to be involved in the work of or investigations by the requesters. Is this an absurd statement? It, it offends. <laughs> it's offensive. <laughs> when now that we can see how deeply involved they were. Wall's May 10th, 2022 letter, which we started the show off reading is further evidence that Nara must be considered part of the prosecution prosecution team. They're the ones who decided Deborah Steidel Wall is the one who decided that Trump's executive privilege did not apply. Here's a statement on PRA special access request. And this is where that camp that comes from. It's from Wednesday, May 12th or April 12th, 2023. And they literally wrote NARA's core mission is to make records available for access, providing records under the PRA. NARA does not consider itself to be involved in the work of or investigations by the requesters. This stands true. Whether the requester is the president, an executive branch agency, Congress or court, including via grand jury subpoenas. At this time, the evidence of NARA's coordination and assistance to the investigation arises largely from FOIA releases. The releases strongly suggest that any fact-finding on this issue in the form of testimony or documents will further support President Trump's position. However, the current record is more than sufficient to demonstrate that the special counsel's office cannot pretend it lacks access to NARA's files for the purpose of Brady. Yeah. Um, something they also put in the, in there is that Jack Smith can't act like he doesn't have access to this stuff. He very obviously does. So we've established right there in that section that NARA is part of the prosecution team. Next, the intelligence community. The prosecution team includes the intelligence community agencies and components that participated in the investigation, such as during classification reviews and damage assessments. This includes the office of director of national intelligence and the agencies identified in paragraph 22 of the indictment as equity holders. Some of the documents at issue, the Central Intelligence Agency, the Defense Department, the National Security Agency, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, the National Reconnaissance Office, the Department of Energy, and the State Department. Again, the Saab case is cited here. The quote from the Saab case in this instance is, the prosecution team must be understood in the context of and measured against defendant's indictment. Rejecting prosecution's more restrictive standards that in order to be considered an arm of the government for purposes of this case, the United States Secret, uh, Secret Service would need to be the law enforcement agency that investigated the charged crimes, which was, in fact, the FBI. I don't know if you guys remember, but I remember in filings from this case reading uh, in the indictment, reading uh, equity holders is how Jack Smith referred to them. Thing. Who are the equity holders? Who is it that has equity in these documents? 
And whoever they are, Trump's team is saying, we need discovery on those. Though the special counsel's office has suppressed these communications between those agencies, we know from FOIA releases that NARA started to coordinate with the inspector general of the intelligence community uh, by January 25th, 2022. The intelligence community's participation in the classification review process warrants inclusion within the prosecution team for purposes of discovery obligations. That class classification review process is absolutely key to this case. Trump says he declassed these docs and that they are his personal records under the PRA. Assuming they were reclassified by the Biden administration, at what point were they reclassified and why? That's my own editorializing. Okay. That's not what Trump's team didn't write that part. I wrote that part. Um, but it remained, I mean, it, I think it's obvious, uh, and Trump's team has said many times, they, they, they want to challenge the classification of these documents and say, look, Trump declassed them. Cash Patel has said since before the indictment, Cash Patel has said that these, these documents were declassified by Trump. And if it is the, if it is the crossfire hurricane binder, if the documents here do concern or are the same as what is in this reportedly missing Crossfire Hurricane Binder. Then Trump did declassify it. He gave it to Meadows and John Solomon, a journalist. And, and John Solomon took it and went home and started making copies of it and then got a call from the White House to bring it back. So Trump declassified it and then made an effort to make it go public. He gave it to a journalist so that that journalist could publicize what was in that binder. And that point becomes really important here in just a moment. August 30th, 2022. DOJ. DOJ and the Office of Director of National Intelligence, the ODNI, are currently facilitating a classification review of these materials. So they raid Mar-a-Lago. DOJ says, look, the ODNI and the DOJ were in the intelligence community were reviewing these these documents we got from Mar-a-Lago to assess the potential risk to national security that would result from the disclosure of these materials. September 8th, 2022, DOJ, quote, the ongoing intelligence community classification review and damage assessment are, are closely interconnected with and cannot be readily separated from areas of inquiry of DOJ and FBI's ongoing criminal investigation as further explained in the attached declaration of Alan E. Kohler Jr., assistant director of the FBI's counterintelligence division. Quote, the intelligence community's review and assessment cannot be readily segregated from DOJ and FBI's activities in connection with the ongoing criminal investigation. Classification reviews are conducted under the supervision of the director of national intelligence. FBI Assistant Director Kohler confirmed that the Office of the Director of National Intelligence had, quote, agreed to oversee and help coordinate with the FBI the ongoing classification review. Boom. Trump needs discovery. Right there. On the ODNI. This classification review is absolutely essential to his defense. Because he says he declassed it. They get these documents back. They're doing a classification review on them. They need 
all of the materials and the discussion back and forth and the assessment so that they can prove that they were declassified and then for some reason reclassified in order to create a crime, potentially, or they're not actually classified at all. The IC assessment will necessarily inform the FBI's criminal investigation, including subsequent investigative steps that might be necessary. The, IC, the IC's intelligence classification review, this is from the DOJ. This is the DOJ speaking, not, not Trump making assertions or Trump's attorneys making assertions. This is what the DOJ said. The IC's intelligence classification review and national security assessment, which the court sought to allow to continue in recognition of the vital interest at stake, are closely linked to the criminal investigation and therefore cannot proceed effectively while the injunction remains in place. Therefore, the discovery obligations of the special counsel's office extend to the files of the intelligence community. All right. This account, who's a great follow, Mind Not For Rent, also has a great handle, Mind Not For Rent. I love that. They commented on this thread to show me that in section 1.7 of EO 13526, which I'm sure John Harold has memorized, has a notable line in it. This is provide this section, this line right here provides a pathway for reclassification of declassified docs not yet not yet released to the public it says this is part d or section d it says information that has not previously been disclosed to the public under proper authority may be classified or reclassified after an agency has received a request for it under the freedom of information act the presidential records act the Privacy Act, or the mandatory review provisions of Section 3.5 of this order, only if such classification meets the requirements of this order and is accomplished on a document-by-document -document basis with the personal participation or under the direction of the agency head, the deputy agency head, or the senior agency official designated under Section 5.4 of this order. The requirements in this paragraph also apply to those situations in which the information has been declassified in accordance with a specific date or event determined by an original classification authority in accordance with section 1.5 of this order. It's document by document, but only if they have those documents. And so he posited, like, did the Judicial Watch lawsuit, this is his own thread from September 1st, 2022, did the Judicial Watch lawsuit for these documents activate this plan to reclassify them? Information that has not previously been disclosed to the public under proper authority may be classified or reclassified after an agency has received a request under FOIA or under the PRA, or under the Privacy Act. The affidavit in this case, in this Trump docs case, cites this same executive order, EO 
It also says the government may continue to review and use the material seized for purposes of intelligence classification and national security investigation. And I think mine not for rent is onto something here. I think he nailed it. Let me find that place. Where was I? Right here. So, I said to remember John Solomon and John Solomon getting the, the Crossfire Hurricane binder. So, if the documents at, at issue here are related to that binder, like they are the documents at issue in the binder, okay? then much of that, what was in that binder was declassified and publicized. Most of it is our understanding, but some of it was not, but Trump did declassify it. And then he gave it to John Solomon, a journalist to public, to publicize it, to make it public. And in the middle of John Solomon making that happen, he gets a call to bring it back to the white house. And then it gets turned over to DOJ for further redactions under Privacy Act, which is one of the acts listed here. Under the Privacy Act. That's one of the acts listed here. So I'm wondering if this is going to come up and Trump's going to be able to say, look, I declassified it and I made an effort. I designated someone to publish it. And then these other people got in the way. I'm leaving office. On my last day in office, I declassify it. I give it to my, my designated person that I want to publicize it. He begins making efforts to that. And then he gets a phone call from the white house, uh, council. I think it was the white house council. Um, who says DOJ wants it back cause they want to do private. They want to, uh, make further redactions for privacy. And I'm wondering John Solomon was making copies of it. I wonder if John saw some of those copies ended up going with Trump tomorrow. Lago. And then D and then now this is coming back around where they're saying, Oh, we got a spillage of records and like, it all has to do with this crossfire hurricane stuff, which matches what cash Patel was saying back in spring of 2022. And they, they're going to claim that under this EO, they're using these lines in this EO to justify them reclassifying these records, which thus created a crime. I hope that makes sense. It's the mechanics of it. I'm trying to identify the mechanics of how they could how they could take documents that Trump declassed and then reclass them and then thus create a crime. And it would make sense that Jay Bratt has something to do with it. <laughs> and the fact that Jay Bratt is in on this case, it's like, Oh yeah, of course, Jay Bratt. Yeah, of course it's Jay Bratt. Of course. <laughs> All right. Uh, the white house. The prosecution team includes at least 
the National Security Council. The council was responsible for the creation and handling of many of the documents at issue, and the special counsel's office will be required to rely on personnel from the National Security Council at trial. The White House Counsel's Office and WHORM, WORM, are part of the prosecution team because they repeatedly supported the investigative activities of DOJ, FBI, and NARA. In September 2021, NARA General Counsel Stern redacted. Two weeks later, Stern redacted. In January 2022, redacted. In February 2022, Bosenko wrote to a colleague that NARA's communications with the White House had been consumed by issues related to the 15 boxes. And that email, I think I pulled that email up in this somewhere. I think it's down here. But that, as far as the defense team is concerned, that's a boom. Because that's a huge link to say, like, look, NARA's communicate. He's literally saying this is one of the guys working on the investigation. And this is an internal email that we have and Trump's team has, thanks to FOIA, which says, look, NARA's communications with the White House are consumed by issues relating to the 15 boxes from Mar-a-Lago, which is an excellent email for Trump team to have because it boldly draws the line connecting NARA and the White House to this investigation of Trump which means Trump should get discovery on these communications between NARA and the White House. In NARA's May 10th, 2022 letter, the acting archivist, Deborah Steidel-Wall, disclosed that she was acting based in part on communications with, quote, the counsel to the president. These White House components cannot escape the important import of these activities for purposes of the prosecution team analysis. The special activities or the special counsel's office must produce discoverable information from the White House files. There could be some really interesting stuff in those communications, such as such as discussions justifying the reclassification. See, I'm wondering, uh, Trump gets discovered on some of these communications, and then Jack Smith's team is saying, oh, well, we've, got, we've got this line from EO 13526 saying that, you know, we can re- that that's the authority to reclassify previously declassified documents. We can reclassify them document by document. According to this EO, that gives the DOJ and DNI and intelligence community in the White House the authority to reclassify them. Um, and it does. Nobody's arguing that they don't have that authority. But what is the basis for reclassifying it? If they can't justify the reclassification, then they obviously did it in order to create a crime. And those emails between NARA and the White House could speak to that fact. All right, next, the Department of Justice is included in the scope. The prosecution team includes senior DOJ officials at the Office of the Attorney General, the Office of the Deputy Attorney General, the Office of Legal Counsel, 
and the National Security Division, as well as personnel from the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of Florida who participated in this investigation, including former acting U.S. Attorney Juan Antonio Gonzalez. NARA's May 10, 2022 letter overruling President Trump's objection to providing the 15 boxes to the FBI was based in part on, quote, a request from the Department of Justice and consultation with the Assistant Attorney General for the Office of Legal Counsel. Just over a week later, after that request, redacted. Following NARA, redacted, 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 redacted. The Attorney General personally approved the search warrant. August 1st, 2022, senior DOJ officials met with FBI leadership at FBI headquarters for a search warrant discussion. DOJ participants in the meeting included... Assistant Attorney General Matthew Olson, Newman, Toskis, and Bratt. August 3rd, 2022, five days before the Mar-a-Lago raid, redacted. According to an email, redacted. And then we have the email right here, Exhibit 34. Subject, search warrant discussion, FBI headquarters, Monday, August 1st, um, right here, tentatively accepted. Organizer, Matthew Olson of the National Security Division, required attendees, Newman, Bratt, Toskis, Jones, Kohler, Reidlinger, Dantuano, optional attendees, Friedman and Brett. August 20th, 2022. Newman and Toskis, as well as Rush Atkinson, Austin Evers, and Loeb from the Office of the Deputy Attorney General reviewed a motion by Judicial Watch to unseal the search warrant. Toskis and Bratt kept Olson, Newman, and Gonzalez apprised of developments in that litigation by forwarding communications with President Trump's attorneys. Exhibit 36, here we have attached Judicial Watch motion. It just says FYI, just to make you aware of that motion. More emails, more emails about it. Okay, Exhibit 38. Again, these are FOIA emails that Trump's team is able to use. Uh, see today's events. Jim Evans, so that's going to be James Trusty and Evan Corcoran from Jay Bratt, National Security Division. In light of President Trump's statement last night on social media, that he wouldn't oppose the release of the court documents and encourage their immediate release... May we represent to the court that you have confirmed that this constitutes non-opposition consent to the motion? Yes, if so, I think that would also obviate the need for a call and two agreed things. So I just want to point out here just for a moment, like Trump's social media is entertaining, right? Like Trump's posts on social media are entertaining. They're fun. And uh, I like them. Okay, we all do. We also all agree that they're narrative warfare and he puts out messages that he wants out there. Um, But he also uses them to cause uh, he uses them as direction. He uses them to affect change in uh, things like his legal cases. 
And this is an example of where Trump Trump saying that he would not oppose those court documents being released and making it a public statement, public written statement on his official social media account caused this right here. And so like there's all these there's all these layers to Trump's communications where there's this entertainment factor, there's a narrative factor, there's a baiting factor where he's baiting the media to cover him in a certain way or his opponents too. He's trying to cause reactions. And then there's this example where his statement is actually uh, being factored into a legal proceeding. He's also used his social media to literally declass top secret materials and make them public. And he proved during his administration, I'm going to keep bringing this up because it's a bit, I think it's going to be brought up at trial that, um, that part of the, part of the president's ability to, uh, to declass on his own as, as the top class original classification authority, the president can classify what he wants and he can declassify what he wants. He doesn't need any special, he doesn't have to go through any special process for it. Trump Trump declassified a satellite image of an Iran uh, launch site, an Iranian launch site for their rockets. And he, he did it by posting it on Twitter. He just posted it. And the, the, and the media went crazy about how Trump leaked out classified material. And then there was a court case about it. And Scot if I remember right, SCOTUS backed him up. And said, yeah, that's, he can do that. He's the classification authority. And I think that's a factor in this case because Trump declassed the material at issue in this case, according to him and his representatives, and he gave it to a journalist to publish it. And the fact that that journalist got interrupted in doing so doesn't change the fact or negate the fact that Trump declassified it. And, and he posted on social media that it was declassified. In fact, I'll, I'll find that right now. I will find, I will find that right now. Let me show you. Let's see. Let's see. Full, remain peaceful. Where is it? Where is it? I was thinking it's one of his final tweets. 75,000 Graymar voted for me, giant voice. It's full. This is who's going to be vice president, by the way. Just FYI. Just so you guys know who's going to be Trump's partner on 2024 ticket. 
It's right there. It's right there. That guy. Familiar face. Where is it? I want to find that tweet where he says, I have authorized the declassification of all materials related to Crossfire Hurricane and all of that stuff. Where is it? It's somewhere here. I know it. it's it's on his last tweet, but it's... It's towards the very end of his presidency. Is it? Oh, well, that's interesting. Pretty sure he called it Crossfire Hurricane. No, I just want tweets from Trump. Here's the letter. Yes. This is the letter from... Yeah, okay. Thank you, Steak for Breakfast, for uh, post posting this recently. Uh, this is the memorandum January. I knew it was, I knew it was towards the end of his president. January, it wasn't a tweet. It was a, um, a presidential document. So I misremembered that. Here we go. Presidential documents. Memorandum January 19th, 2021. Right before he left office, declassification of certain materials related to the FBI's crossfire hurricane investigation. Memorandum for the Attorney General, the Director of National Intelligence, and the Director of Central Intelligence. By the authority invested in me as President in the Constitution of the Laws of the United States, blah, blah, blah. Declassification release. In my request, on December 30th, 2020, the Department of Justice provided the White House with a binder of materials. This is the crossfire hurricane binder related to the FBI's crossfire hurricane investigation. Portions of the document in the binder have remained classified and have not been released to Congress or the public. I request the documents so that a declassification review could be performed and so I could determine to what extent materials in the binder should be released in unclassified form. I determined that the materials in the binder should be declassified to the maximum extent possible. In response and as part of the iterative process of the declassification review, under a cover letter, letter dated January 17th, 2021, the Federal Bureau of Investigation noted its continuing objection to any further declassification of the materials in the binder and also on the basis of a review that included intelligence community equities, identified the passages that it believed was the most crucial to keep from public disclosure. I have determined to accept the redactions proposed for continued declassification by the FBI in that January 17th submission. I hereby declassify the remaining materials in the binder. This is my final determination under the declassification review, and I have directed the attorney general to implement 
the redactions proposed in the FBI's January 17th submission and returned to the White House an appropriately redacted copy. My decision is to declassify materials within the binder is subject to the limits identified above and does not extend to materials that must be protected from disclosure pursuant to orders of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court and does not require the disclosure of certain personally identifiable information or any other materials that must be protected from disclosure under applicable law. Accordingly, at my direction, the Attorney General has conducted an appropriate review to ensure that materials provided in the binder may be disclosed by the White House in accordance with applicable law. Section 2, General Provisions. A. Nothing in this memorandum shall be construed to impair or otherwise affect the authority granted by law to an executive department or agency or heard thereof, head thereof, etc., etc. That's it right there. Trump declassified it. Okay. Let's see. Okay, I think that's my end of my... That's where we're at. That's the end of my thread. So, let me go scroll back up. Uh, there we go. And I'm going to open up the actual case and we'll get to the filing. Let's see, what page was I on? I'm on page... 27 of 68. This is a huge filing, guys. It's huge. Got that agreed to later in August. Coordinated. Okay, so we're going to read the actual filing now. And then as I come across exhibits that are... Uh, that I've been gained through FOIA, we'll jump over to the exhibits list and we'll find them over here. So we'll be jumping back and forth between exhibits and the filing. But before we do that, we are going to take a bio break. And we're going to grab some music I haven't played in a long time, but that I used to play a lot on this show. Okay, 11 on that. Remember, we get to go an extra hour today. So if you guys need a refill, if you need a bio break or you need a refill of your beverage or a snack, now is the time. All right. Few minutes, few minutes break, and I'll be back.
I am back. Don't you love it when you uh, take a break in the middle of your podcast to, you know, do what you got to do and you discover that you have cigars in the mail? Sweet. Sweet. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I have last time I had this cigar, Rush was still alive. This was one of Rush Limbaugh's favorite cigars. That's who turned me on to. That's who turned me on to cigars in the first place with Rush Limbaugh. La Flor Dominicana Double Ligero. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it's not the chisel. Uh, you are correct. The, the chisel was his favorite version of it. I didn't see the chisel available. So I, I, I didn't get it, but the chisel is awesome. I have had that, and that construction is is excellent so this is the traditional construction yes 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 oh man happy day i am going i am going to enjoy that okay let's see um i saw ezra cohen watnick we already took a break i saw ezra cohen watnick come up in chat and uh, in regards to the PIDB, and I actually haven't checked because he's no he's no longer chair. Pardon me, he's no longer chair of the PIDB. But um, he was still on the PIDB um, for another year after having uh, been taken off the board. So he served as the chair of the board. For time, okay. Let's see. I haven't actually caught. I haven't caught up on what's been happening with the PIDB. Okay, the PIDB consists of nine members. Blah blah blah. On December sixth, President sixth, twenty twenty three, President Biden appointed Mary DeRosa to a two year term of the chair. Okay, Miss DeRosa was appointed to the PIDB to serve a three year term. So for two years, she's the chair, and um, then for a year after that, she remains. Okay. Alyssa M. Starzak was elected by the PIDB members as vice chair in 2018. And acting, she was acting chair after Ezra from January 11th to December 5th. Okay. Five PID members were appointed by presidents. On January 11th, 2021, Trump appointed Ezra Cohen-Watnick to serve as chair for two years. That term ended on January 10th, 2023. In a three-year term as PID member that will end on January 10th. So Ezra should be done. He should be done with it, but it still lists him here. It says current member biographies. It lists Paul Noah Cretion, Ezra. Um... 
Laura A. DeBonis, Mary DeRosa, Carmen Medina. Congressional appointees are Carter Burrell, Alyssa Starzak. Okay. So Ezra should be done, but it still lists him here as being a current member. Interesting that he's still there. I wonder if it just hasn't been updated. Did I read that right? Yeah, his three-year term as a PIDB member will end on January 10th, 2024. That Paul, Paul Noah Cretion or Credian or whatever, his term should, be, should have been done on December 29th of 2023. Joe Biden appointed Laura A. DeBonis to serve from November 30th, 2021 to December 29th, 2023. So she should be done as well. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it probably just needs to be updated. Who is this Mary DeRosa? Professor from Georgetown, uh-oh, Global Law Scholars Program at Georgetown. Served as Deputy Assistant and Deputy Counsel to the President as a National Security Council Legal Advisor and the Obama Admin. She left in the summer of 2011. Served as a rep to the U United States... Oh, serves as a representative of the United States to the UN. Ambassador level position with the U.S. mission to the United Nations. Prior to joining the Obama admin, she was chief counsel for national security for the Senate Judiciary Committee, working for Patrick Leahy. She's been a senior fellow at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Oh, God. Oh, God. That's horrible. Served on staff of the Clinton admin for National Security Council as a legal advisor and deputy legal advisor. Was a special counsel to the general counsel at the DOD. Oh, no. She's about as terrible as she could possibly be. <laughs> this, is, this is awful. All right, Carmen Medina. Carmen was appointed by Biden to a three-year term. She's a retired senior federal executive with 32 experiences and 32 years experience in the IC. This is awful. She is recognized national and international expert on intelligence analysis, strategic thinking and diversity of thought and innovative and intrapreneurs of the public sector. She's co-author of rebels at work, a handbook for leading change from within. Uh Oh, uh-oh, who is she co-authors with? Probably an ex-CIA director. All right, no, Lois Kelly and Deborah Cameron. Lois, Lois Kelly is from marketing agencies. Carmen is from the CIA. Oh, this is, this, this is so bad. 
Miss Medina was part of the executive team that led the CIA's analysis directorate. She was leader. She was a leader on diversity issues at the CIA. <laughs> Serving on equity boards at all organizational levels and across directorates. She was the first CIA executive to conceptualize many IT applications now used by analysts, including blogs, online production, collaborative tools. She personally gave the approval for Intellipedia. As a senior executive, Ms. Medina in 2005 began using social networking and blogs to reach her diverse workforce. In her last assignment before retiring, she oversaw the CIA's Lessons Learned program. She is the recipient of the Distinguished Career Intelligence Medal. She is currently active in mentoring women in the national security field as a founding member of the Amazing Women in Intelligence community and serves on the boards of the National Intelligence University and the National Security Institute. Good God, this is disgusting. I don't think it's going to get better, though. It does not get better. Carter Burrell is the new congressional appointee. January 13, 2022, Mitch McConnell appointed him to serve for a three-year term. He's worked as counsel in the White Call and Regulatory Defense Practice of De Beauvoir and Plimpton, LLP. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, John Cornyn. He was chief counsel to former assistant majority leader and U.S. Senator John Cornyn. Uh, but he also worked for Chuck Grassley. So, okay, that, that balances that out. That's good. That's good. Let's see. He worked to reform and modernize national security and technology laws and oversight of government officials. Okay, I'm liking him. I'm starting to like him. Burrow began career and public service as a counterterrorism prosecutor at DOJ, just like Cash Patel where he served as an assistant U.S. attorney in the Violent Crime and Terrorism Unit of the U.S. Attorney's Office in the EDNY. Excellent. National Security International Crimes Unit in the Eastern District of Virginia. Okay. All right, all right. I think, I think Carter, it did get better. I was wrong. It did get better. So Carter, we're depending on you to balance out, to balance things against these these the uh, this these terribles. This is this is really bad. Okay, Starzak is vice chair. Alyssa M. Starzak. January 11, twenty three, Miss Starzak became acting chair. Appointed by Schumer, she was elected as vice chair by the members of the PIDB. Let's see. Ms. Starzak is currently vice president and global head of public policy at Cloudflare, a web security and optimization company. Prior to joining Cloudflare, Ms. Starzak worked for the U.S. government in a variety of national security positions. Most recently, she served as the 21st general counsel of the U.S. Department of the Army after confirmation by the Senate. As general counsel of the Army, she was the primary legal counsel to the Secretary of the Army and the Army's chief legal officer. 
Her appointment as general counsel followed service as the deputy general counsel for legislation for the U.S. Department of Defense, where she advised on legal issues. Prior to moving to the Department of Defense, Ms. Starzak served as counsel to the U.S. Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, focusing on legal issues relating to intelligence collection and covert action. And as assistant attorney general or assistant general counsel at the CIA's office of general counsel. She also worked in private practice in D.C. and clerked for the Honorable E. Grady Jolly for the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. Graduate of Amherst and Chicago Law. Okay. Not super bothered by her. It's all right. Carter. We're going to lean on. We need Carter to really come through for us. But these two. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Thank God Ezra and uh, several other people got so much good work done while they were there. Because I'm not so sure we're going to get any good work done with these people in charge. Okay. Thought we'd, thought we'd go check on that. It's been a while since we looked at it. It's been a year. Okay. August 2022. Brat and Gonzalez coordinated. We're back to Trump's motion to compel discovery. Okay. So Brat and Gonzalez coordinated with Newman and Toscas regarding media unsealing requests relating to the warrant. Following a hearing ruling on the motion, Brat and Gonzalez sent the order to, among others, Olson, Toscas, and Marshall Miller from the Office of Deputy Attorney General and the Assistant. United States attorneys for Southern District of Florida, who subsequently joined the special counsel's office. August 28th, 2022, NARA General Counsel Stern contacted Martin Lederman, or Letterman, of the DOJ's Office of Legal Counsel with time-sensitive questions. That is Exhibit 49. Exhibit 49. Okay, but if there's a way to sell it on today, that'd be great. I suppose in the meantime, I could simply tell Gary. It'd be Gary Stern. Gary, ping me again. Everyone okay with me conveying our current view? Redacted. Redacted. On the questions of redacted, my first inst instinct is redacted. Redacted. Gary Stern called today to raise questions, raise a question or two redacted. Gary is interested to know what DOJ's view is on redacted. I mentioned these questions briefly to Rush this afternoon. Our first order of business, I believe, is redacted. On the other thing to note, one other thing to note, redacted. Okay. On August 28th, oh wait, I already did that one. Okay. Like many of the others, the communications released pursuant to FOIA, but not produced in discovery, are heavily redacted. It is nevertheless clear that Stern was interest, quote, interested to know DOJ's view on a question or two. Which Lederman 
discussed with Atkinson from the office of the deputy attorney general and then passed on to Newman, Evers, and others. And some senior DOJ officials have regularly participated in and consulted on key decisions during the investigation, including the opening of the investigation, advice and counsel to NARA, the decision to raid Mar-a-Lago, deliberations with the FBI regarding warrant execution, and post-warrant litigation. Based on those activities, these DOJ comp- these official components within DOJ are part of the prosecution team and the special counsel's office must collect and produce discoverable information from their files. Now the special counsel's office. The prosecution team is not limited to attorneys at the special counsel's office who consider themselves to be, quote, working on this case. Exhibit 27. Oh, there it was. I believe it said under seal. Yep, Exhibit 27, under seal. Pursuant to Attorney General Garland's order... The special counsel's office has conducted broad investigations that gave rise to this case and to the other lawless charges in the D.C. case. In accordance with that order, the office did not silo its investigative activities or its personnel during the investigations, and it should not be permitted to do so now for the purposes of discovery. For example, the special counsel's office used the same grand jury in this district for matters relating to both cases, which is a problem. That is a problem. He's using a grand jury um, to bring indictments in two different districts, D.C. and Florida. And this is something that has been called out a couple times to Judge Cannon. Assistant Special Counsel John Pelletieri has appeared on behalf of the office in this case and in the D.C. case. In February 2022, NARA OIG first contacted Wyndham about the investigation. Wyndham is now a senior assistant special counsel who appears on behalf of the office in the D.C. case. However, dating back to the June 2022 redacted, Wyndham participated in approximately 29 of the interviews described in discovery in this case. I wonder what could be right here. Hmm. Could it in June 2022 there was a there was a search warrant for Mar-a-Lago to get security camera footage? Hmm. I wonder what's there. Collectively, these considerations reveal that there is no principal basis for limiting the scope of the prosecution team to attorneys at the office deemed to be, quote, working on the case. Discovery obligations and case file reviews must cover all of the official's personnel. Six, FBI headquarters, the counterintelligence division. Nor is the FBI contingent of the prosecution team limited to agents from the Washington and Miami field offices. See exhibit 27 at one, but it's under seal. 
Rather, the prosecution team includes personnel from the counterintelligence division of the FBI's headquarters. On February 9th, 2022, redacted, Exhibit 18, Under seal. In April 2022, the counterintelligence division redacted Exhibit 50. I'm sure it's sealed, but just for fun, we'll go over here and look. Yep. Beginning in April, beginning in approximately June 2022, so that's Whatever this is, right here, this redaction with Wyndham, as discussed in the classified supplement, the counterintelligence division played a central role in classification reviews. FBI participants at the above described search warrant discussion on August 1st, 2022, included not only personnel from the FBI's Washington field office, but Assistant Director Kohler, who leads the FBI's counterintelligence division. At least one agent from FBI headquarters redacted Exhibit 51. I'm sure it's under seal. Yes. Later that month, when participants in the investigation grew concerned that video of the raid would be released, DOJ, quote, waited to hear back from the FBI headquarters on their recommended approach. Exhibit 40. It's always been my opinion that Trump never, never was going to release video of the raid. Uh, he was just tossing that out there. Um, okay, let's see. This this email, where's the date on this one? August 17th. Okay. Re-CNN, Mar-a-Lago CCTV footage. Just wondering, redacted. All of this is redacted. Yeah, the only thing we can see is the subject line. And everybody is tagged. Everybody's tagged in this. Like, oh God, Trump's going to release, he's going to release the CCTV footage of us going to Mar-a-Lago and raiding him. Okay. Finally, as noted above, in September 2022, FBI Assistant Director Kohler submitted a declaration in support of a motion a DOJ motion in Trump v. United States. Accordingly, because the FBI's counterintelligence division was central to several key steps in the investigation, it is part of the prosecution team. The Secret Service. The Secret Service is part of the prosecution team because agents cl worked closely with the FBI during the last two important points. First, the Secret Service redacted Exhibit 52. No doubt that is also redacted because everything about it is redacted or under seal, I should say. Redacted, redacted, exhibit 53, also under seal. Second, redacted, specifically redacted, exhibit 51, redacted. All right, well, great argument. All right, C, the special counsel's office has an affirmative duty to search for discoverable evidence. The special counsel's office has an affirmative obligation to collect and produce discoverable evidence in the possession of the entire prosecution team because of the evidence of coordination with the intelligence community and the office's related assertions in Trump v. United States. 
The court need not address whether pursuant to the justice manual, as in other cases, the office must utilize prudential search request processes. Again, Saab Moran is quoted. That is because the office's obligations are basic applications of actual and constructive possession principles under Brady and Rule 16A1E in light of the extensive extensive coordination established by the record. Quote, there is no suggestion in Brady that different arms of the government, particularly when so closely connected as this one, for the purpose of the case, are severed entities. United States v. Deutsch, 1973. The coordination and sharing between the special counsel's office and these agencies, quote, suggests that the government declining to search for and produce potentially material documents would clearly conflict with the purpose and spirit of the rules uh, governing discovery in criminal cases. United States v. Shepard, 2022. Where did this uh, footnote come in? Oh, right there in Saab. Okay. In the United States v. Libby, the court held that the prosecution team included the Office of Vice President and the CIA because the special counsel's office had, quote, sought and received a variety of documents from those agencies. Boom. Excellent. Those agencies were closely aligned with the prosecution, just like in this case. The court held that it would, quote, clearly conflict with the purpose and spirit of the rules governing discovery in criminal cases to permit the Office of Special Counsel access to a plethora of documents from the OVP and CIA, which are likely essential to the prosecution of this case, but leave other documents with these entities that are purportedly beyond the Special Counsel's reach, but which are nonetheless material to the preparation of defense. Libby involved one of several courts that have noted um, they have noted that a prosecutor who has had access to documents and other agencies in the course of his investigation cannot avoid his, this discovery. And he can't avoid his discovery obligations by selectively leaving the materials with the agency once he has reviewed them. The prosecutors in Osguera Gonzalez recognized a similar obligation. There, in a case involving alleged violations of the Foreign Narcotics Kingpin Act, investigated by the Drug Enforcement Administration, the prosecutors reviewed records at the Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Asset Control. The prosecutors did so to determine whether they contained any evidence that would be discoverable under Rule 16 or as impeachment or exculpatory material, including classified and privileged material to the extent that they exist, and produced documents to the defendant in discovery that the government obtained through that review. See, defendant's motion to compel discovery is material. I'm going to skip some of this. All right. Third, special counsel's office must be compelled to comply with their discovery obligations. President Trump has made a series of specific discovery requests for discoverable materials that support anticipated pretrial motions and trial defenses that he is seeking to develop. Again, Saab is quoted. The record provides otherwise. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Now the government is the. Moreover, whereas in the D.C. case, the office has at least claimed to have proceeded consistently with the justice manual, the office has not made that assertion in this case. They could not credibly do so based on this record. Damn. 
Accordingly, the court should compel the office to provide materials in the possession of the prosecution team that are responsive to the request below and in classified supplement. All right, applicable law. We're largely going to skip this section. Material evidence under Rule 16. Improper coordination. Okay. Improper coordination with NARA to abuse the grand jury process. It starts off with redacted. Mentions exhibit, exhibit six. We will go and check that. Under seal. Surprise, surprise. The record suggests that the special counsel's office coordinated with NARA to use one or more pretextual grand jury subpoenas as an investigative tool designed to circumvent PRA procedures. The coordination is further evidence of NARA's role in the prosecution team, and the office should be required to make further disclosures regarding these issues because they support President Trump's arguments relating to violations of due process and the PRA. Background. On November 22, 2022, the FBI's counterintelligence division redacted. It is not clear it is not clear how redacted. During a call on January 26, 2023, the redacted, the FBI's report relating to redacted, on February 13th, redacted, on May 4th, 2023, redacted, that report redacted, redacted, the report also redacted. A set of notes relating to the May 4th, 2023 meeting shed additional light on the discussion. The notes suggest that redacted. Let's see. You know, I'm going to add tags to this show, like to help people like search it and find it. And I'm definitely, definitely going to make one of them redacted. <laughs> The notes contain the following entries. Redacted. Oh, this is Nunes' statement. This bullet point's redacted, but look, you can. there's a footnote here, 14, and then it says, Nunes' statement on release of HP SCI memo, House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. Oh, oh, oh. I can't highlight it. Daggummit. Um, okay, hold on. I want to get this because this this gives us a clue of what's in there. Okay, I gotta I gotta make sure I get the right one. Hold on just a second. I'm working on the other screen because I want to make sure the URL is right. I got it. I nailed it. I nailed it. First try. I nailed it. So look right here. Intelligence.house.gov news document single document ID 856. Boom, right there. Intelligencehouse.gov news document single document ID 856. Here it is from FET Washington, February 2nd, 2018. Nunez. Says the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence today made public a committee memo with information on the abuses of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. 
Chairman Nunes said, quote, the committee has discovered serious violations of the public trust and the American people have the right to know when officials in crucial institutions are abusing their authority for political purposes. Our intelligence and law enforcement agencies exist to defend the American people, not to be exploited to target one group on behalf of another. It is my hope that the committee's actions will shine a light on this alarming series of events so we can make the reforms that allow the American people to have full faith and confidence in their governing institutions. The memo is here and here, and the key points are here. A charge and response is here, and a summary of title of FISA Title I is here. Here is the Nunes memo. I want to see the, where is the, it said the bullet points was, the key points is the third one right here. All right, let's look at the memo key points because this gives us clues to what is all of this re these redactions are about. It gives us clues as to what is behind these redactions. And that subject matter is committee has made this memo public due to the American people's right to know the information. The committee is responsible for overseeing intel activities of the intelligence community. Government surveillance capabilities are extraordinary powers that must be carefully circumscribed to protect American civil liberties. The decision to release the memo was procedurally sound. It is in the public interest to release the memo. Key revelations from the declassified memo. The Steele dossier formed an essential part of a FISA application targeting Carter Page. So that, guys, this is a great clue that the documents at issue in this case are the Crossfire Hurricane Binder. FBI and DOJ obtained from the FISA court an initial warrant and three FISA renewals. Then FBI Director James Comey signed three FISA applications in question on behalf of the FBI and former Deputy Director Andrew McCabe signed one. Then Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates, then Acting DAG Dana Boente, and DAG Rod Rosenstein each signed one or more FISA applications on behalf of DOJ. Steele was paid over $160,000 by the DNC and Hillary Clinton for America, Hillary for America for his dossier. Neither the initial application in October 2016 nor any of the renewals disclose or reference the role of the DNC, Clinton campaign, or any party or campaign in funding Steele's efforts, even though the political origins of the Steele dossier were then known to senior DOJ and FBI officials. This might be what it is, like documents that that uh, speak to that, that prior knowledge. While the FISA application relied on Steele's past record of incredible of credible reporting on other related matters, unrelated matters, it, it ignored or concealed his anti-Trump financial and ideological motivations. Before and after Steele was terminated as a source, he maintained contact with DOJ via Bruce Orr. In September 2016, Steele told Orr, quote, he was desperate that Donald Trump not get elected and was passionate about him not being president. Orr later related his evidence of Steele's bias to the FBI, where it was recorded in official files but not included in any of the FISA applications. It's these files. Ooh, it might be, guys, it really, it might be this Bruce Orr stuff. None of the FISA applications mentioned that the FBI had separately authorized payment to steal for the dossier information. It could be that too. According to the head of the FBI, Counterintelligence Division, Bill Priestap, 
Corroboration of the Steele dossier was in its infancy at the time of the initial FISA application. In early January 2017, Comey briefed President-elect Trump on a summary of the Steele dossier, a document he later described as salacious and unverified. The page FISA application incorrectly assess that Steele did not directly provide information to Yahoo News. Steele has admitted in British court filings that he met with Yahoo News and several other outlets in September 2016 at the direction of Fusion GPS. Perkins Coie, the law firm that hired Fusion GPS on behalf of the DNC and Clinton campaign, was aware of Steele's initial media contacts and hosted at least one meeting in Washington, D.C. in 2016 with Steele and Fusion GPS. Bruce Orr's wife was employed by Fusion GPS to assist in the cultivation of opposition research on Trump or later provided the FBI with all of his wife's opposition research <laughs> paid for by the DNC and Clinton campaign via Fusion GPS. The page FISA application also mentions information regarding fellow Trump campaign advisor George Papadopoulos, but there is no evidence of any cooperation or conspiracy between Page and Papadopoulos. Top memo facts. The memo is not intended to undermine the special counsel. It is intended to expose past FISA process abuses at DOJ and FBI. The memo is not intended to undermine DOJ or FBI. The House's fulfillment of its constitutional duties, blah, blah, blah. Oh, dude, guys. Oh, guys. This is great. Always read the footnotes. You always check the footnotes on this stuff. So we can... We can surmise, we can infer or deduce, right, from this right here. Back to Trump's filing. It says, a set of notes relating to May 4th, 2023 meeting shed light on the discussion. The notes suggest that redacted. The notes contain the following entries. Bullet point, redacted, but the footnote tells us that whatever that whatever is right there has to do with Nunez's memo concerning these facts about FISA abuse, which means Durham, which means Crossfire Hurricane Binder, which means Spygate, which makes me a bit sentimental. And then bullet point, bullet point, Are we having fun yet? I'm having fun. Good stuff. All right, discussion. The special counsel's office should be required to make additional disclosures regarding the foregoing sequence of events, including all reports, notes, and communications concerning the production of documents by NARA to DOJ, FBI, or the special counsel's office, and the decision to issue grand jury subpoenas to NARA during the course of those events. It is clear from the record that the special counsel's office did not need to use grand jury subpoenas to obtain records from NARA in 2023. Hmm. NARA redacted by February, 2022 redacted in April and May of 2022 redacted 
the FBI's November 2022 memorandum redacted is further proof that all parties understood that that compulsory process was unnecessary. Some references in the reports and notes suggest that the prosecution team was strategizing on how best to transfer records from the Trump administration while providing minimal notice under the PRA. I'm skipping some of the legalese stuff. Thus, the requesting the requested documents disclosures, as opposed to post hoc justifications from the office, are necessary to shed light on entries reflecting discussion of, for example, one, compliance considerations, redacted, redacted, redacted. Finally, the notes from the May 4th, 2023 meeting suggest that redacted. That request supports President Trump's position that the office's relationship with NARA is anything but arm's length, which is, so whatever, okay, guys, so whatever is here under this, these meeting notes from May 4th, 2023, whatever is, is here, it, it speaks to the special counsel's office, members of it, current members of it, having a very close relationship with NARA and how they were handling this whole, this matter, which is why Trump's team needs discovery on it, on NARA. In addition, any instruction by the office to withhold otherwise responsive records is also probative of an abuse of the grand jury process. Moreover, redacted, would be even more problematic if any of those materials were favorable to President Trump and have not been produced. For all of these reasons, the office should be required to identify and disclose redacted, referenced in Exhibits 57 and 58, as well as the subset of redacted. What is under here? Hmm... Hmm. The attempt to retroactively terminate Trump's security clearance and related disclosures. In June 2023, after the office had filed the lawless charges in this case, the Department of Energy purported to retroactively terminate President Trump's security clearance. The office must make further disclosures regarding the circumstances of that decision, as they are probative of President Trump's biased defense and potential motions regarding spoilation of evidence relating to database records that previously reflected the clearance. Records reflecting that President Trump possessed an active security clearance in 2023 are also discoverable because they are relevant to the issue of whether any possession of allegedly unclassified documents in 2021 and 2022 was actually unauthorized as alleged in the 793E charges in the superseding indictment. More broadly, all records relating to President Trump's security clearances and training are relevant to the office's allegations regarding unauthorized possession and willful conduct under 793E. Ooh, President Trump wants to obtain the records of his security clearances and training. Any of you guys got a guess on how long Trump has had a security clearance? Because he had one before he was president. 
Cinco says 50. I'm not sure it's quite 50, but it's, yeah, Lynn, it's decades. It's decades. 50 is not a bad guess. I think it might be closer to Team Smooth, 40. I, I think it's been since the 80s. Background. on Man, that would be so juicy if we, if we start learning about Trump's security clearance and how he got it back in the 80s. Yeah, over on Foxhole, Canio, yeah, yeah. Think so. Filter Dog, thank you very much for all the gold pills. And God is with us. Thank you. And Catgirl88, thank you very much. Yeah, I keep for you I keep forgetting to use the double hashtag. But I mean just using the hashtag or number sign, it, it works. But I keep for you, you know, if you do the double, it takes you right to it. Um okay. The memorandum was signed on June twenty eighth, twenty twenty three. Weeks after the office filed the indictment, but more than a month before it was produced. So Trump was indicted while still having a security clearance. He was indicted for possessing classified, marked classified documents, not classified documents. He was indicted for possessing marked classified documents while he himself had a security clearance and had secret service protection and had a skiff. At the location where he stored the records, a skiff that had received a half million dollar upgrade after he left office. The memorandum was signed on June 28, 2023, weeks after the office filed the indictment, but more than a month before it was produced. It is unclear from the discovery how and to whom the memorandum was transmitted to the prosecution team. In the memorandum, redacted, after locating this memorandum interspersed with the huge volume of discovery, President Trump requested additional disclosures relating to the Energy Department's determination and other security clearance issues. The office declined to provide any additional information. To date, the production of the special counsel's office concerning these issues appeared to have been limited to a June 15th, 2023 FBI document reporting that redacted, of course, redacted and under seal. According to intelligence community policy guidelines, 704.5 scattered castles is the program name. For the IC Security Clearance Repository for all clearance and access determinations. 15. Intelligence Community Personnel Security Database Scattered Castles. Wow. I don't recall ever hearing of this. Scattered Castles. Purpose, the Intelligence Community Policy Guidance mandates the recognition and use of the Scattered Castles database 
or successor database as the intelligence community's authoritative personnel security repository for verifying personal security information for the purpose of, but not limited to, visitor control, clearance reciprocity, and logical access to systems. Applicability and such in the departments designated by the president or designated jointly by the director of national intelligence and the head of the department is element of the consolidate include records of all personnel. So this has to do with handling their who has classified access. Dude, is this what the castle thing is about in the drops? Is this what red castle, green castle is about? It says that's, let's see. I know I went to the Army Corps of Engineers in Red Castle. Like, I get that, but could it also be a, this right here? Red Green Castle. Dude. What if the red is like his, when his clearance isn't active, but green is when it is? Think Green Red Castle. Think military happy. Interesting. Hmm. See, like, okay, see, this is this is why. This one right here, this is what made me think of it. Red Castle, Green Castle, public access to intel. And that's what this is talking about, is scattered castle database for handling the authorization of access to information, classified information. Huh, interesting. All right, just a thought. Section 704.5G requires that the certain historical clearances records be maintained. The Defense Department also maintains a defense information, security, defense information system for security, which was known as the Joint Personnel Adjudication System during the Trump administration. Footnote 16, Defense Information Security. Yep, yep, yep. I wonder if they're going to mention the upgrade that Trump's skiff got here. It does not appear that the office has produced any records or confirmation of the lack of relevant records from that system. Discussion. Here, point. Uh, BRGDZ, glad you brought that up. So you said you just got the notification that I had this live stream. So um, in Rumble, you can set your notifications to be, your notification for live streams to be instant or like daily or something like that. You can set um, how you get notified. And I don't remember exactly where it is, if it's under account options or what, but there's a place in Rumble where you can change how you get notified. And if you set it, um, anyway, you can, you can change it. So I, I've scheduled this live stream yesterday. 
So you should have, if you have it set to instant, you should have got it instantly. If you have it set to uh, uh, daily, that might be why you just now got notified. Okay, here it is. If you go to... Um, If you go to uh, your account and then you go to uh, followed channels right here, followed channels, it gives you this right here with notifications and you can set them to instant, daily, weekly, or monthly. So if you want to make sure and catch someone's live, then make sure you set it to instant. Honestly, I don't know why you would ever set the notification to anything other than instant or daily. But Rumble gives you these options. Anyway, this is also where you can turn them on and off. So, just FYI. Freedom76, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Uh, TVT, I think you need to go to the browser to change, make that change. I don't think you can do it from within the app. Okay. All right. Discussion. All information concerning President Trump's security clearances, read-ins, and related training is discoverable in light of President Trump's bias and due process defenses, as well as the allegations in the 793E charges relating to unauthorized and willful possession. Skipping the legalese. Let's see. President Trump will establish in pretrial motions and motions in limine and proposed jury instructions that the court should provide a similar instruction on the national defense information element under the unique circumstances of this case. And that instruction is Fourth Circuit discussed a related instruction regarding whether information is relating to national defense, i.e. NDI element of 793E discussed in the classified supplement. The improved instruction in the national defense information element required that information from the photographs at issue in Morrison be closely held and be potentially damaging to the United States or might use, might be useful to an enemy of the United States. President Trump will establish in pretrial motions, motions in limine, and proposed jury instructions that the court should provide a similar instruction on the EDI, NDI element under the unique circumstances of this case. Okay. Although potential sources of such information include the scattered castles, the defense information system for security and or joint personnel adjudication system, it is incumbent on the office, not, not the defense, to locate these materials within the prosecution team or confirm their non-existence. The special counsel's office must also make additional disclosures regarding the De Department of Defense's memorandum. On its face, the document supports President Trump's defenses regarding inter alia bias in the intelligence community and due process violations arising from improper coordination. See United States v. Edwards. Quote, it is not for the prosecutor to decide not to disclose information that it is on its face exculpatory based on an assessment of how that evidence might be explained away or discredited at trial or ultimately rejected by the fact finder. Weeks after the office filed the indictment, 
the Energy Department sought to modify the inconvenient truth that the agency possessed records showing that President Trump President Trump still maintained a security clearance. In order to permit President Trump to prepare his defenses and present them to the jury, the office must produce documents and communications relating to the decision, the drafting of the memorandum, any coordination with other members of the prosecution team on this issue, and the transmission of the memorandum to the prosecution team. In order to permit President Trump to further substantiate his defense relating to intelligence community bias, the office should be required to disclose how the Energy Department has handled and documented the clearances of prior presidents. That should be fun. At minimum, a valid security clearance undercuts that allegation. President Trump's Q clearance relates most specifically to the undated document charged in count 19 bearing a former restricted data marking, and we expect that it will serve as a basis for a motion to dismiss at the appropriate time. However, Evidence of post-presidential possession of a valid security clearance between 2021 and 2023 also supports potential arguments, which President Trump is entitled to explore based on existing evidence concerning good faith and non-criminal states of mind relating to possession of classified materials. Accordingly, the office should be required to produce all records relating to President Trump, including any modified or amended records from the Energy Department's Central Personnel Clearance Index and Clearance Action Tracking System. All right. There's often fake news about this Q clearance thing. Q clearance. In fact, I saw some fake news about it recently. Q clearance is not the highest level of classification that there is. It is somewhat low level and it has to do with nuclear energy. And the reason I think Trump has had a Q clearance since the 80s is because is because he was involved in efforts to uh, stop nuclear proliferation in the 80s. That's one of the things he's done is his, his Batman role. So Q clearance comes under the Department of Energy, and that's why he was a Department of Energy who's involved here. That's right, Jason. That's why it's the Department of Energy that was involved here in them revoking that security clearance. Um, he had this probably because of his involvement in nuclear stopping nuclear proliferation. And with this document that is count 19 in the, in the case, this case should be dismissed because Trump literally had the clearance necessary to have this document. And by extension, if Trump was cleared to have this, if he had this clearance and was safe to have this document, why not the others? Which, by the way, he maintains were all declassed. But even if they weren't all declassed, he still had the appropriate security clearance for at least this document that is part of count 19, or that is the basis for part 19. Um, but there's... That's right, E.H. Kyle. There's tons of different levels of clearances, and the fact that Trump 
maintained his Q clearance. This is the other thing about the Q clearance. The fact that Trump maintained his Q clearance post-presidency, doesn't that indicate that he was probably still involved in work that required him to have a Q clearance? I mean, maybe it was set to expire at some point in the future or something. Um, but it seems to me that he had the clearance because he was still active in his role and he needed the clearance. Okay. However, and then also this, it helps explain the upgrade to a skiff, doesn't it? His Mar-a-Lago skiff was upgraded post-presidency and he still had a clearance. So perhaps it was upgraded as part of maintaining his security clearance and maintaining the skiff. So, however, um, evidence of post-presidential possession of a valid security clearance between 2021 and 2023 also supports potential arguments, blah, blah, blah. I read that. All right. D, use of secure facilities at President Trump's residences. Oh, oh, okay. This is going to be fun. The special counsel's office should be required to disclose all evidence relating to what the office previously described to the court as temporary secure locations at Mar-a-Lago, Bedminster, and Trump Tower, and related skiffs at off-site locations. 9-12-23. Evidence relating to these facilities is discoverable because it refutes the office's assertion concerning the lack of security at Mar-a-Lago, and is also relevant to the 793E allegations concerning unauthorized possession and willful conduct. Background. The Secret Service and the White House Communications Agency, WHCA, made arrangements at Mar-a-Lago, Bedminster, Trump Tower, and elsewhere for President Trump to review and discuss classified information. Fact. See Classified Supplement Part 8, then Redacted, Exhibit 61. And then they have a witness here, and it's all redacted. And then discussion. President Trump will dispute at trial the contentions by the special counsel's office that Mar-a-Lago was not secure and that there was a risk that material stored at those premises would be compromised. The contentions by the office are foreshadowed by the superseding indictment, which emphasizes the facility's commercial success in an effort to suggest that President Trump endangered national security by using it. Moreover, in response to the office's allegation that the Secret Service, quote, was not responsible for the protection of Trump's boxes or their contents, President Trump is entitled to present evidence regarding steps the Secret Service took to secure the residences, such as during and after his successful run in 2016 election. This evidence is discoverable irrespective of whether President Trump was personally aware of these steps at the time they were taken. Evidence of bias and investigative misconduct. President Trump is entitled to disclosures regarding the issues set forth below. Which Wait a minute. I just thought of something. President Trump is entitled to present evidence regarding steps the Secret Service took to secure the residences, such as during and after his successful run in 2016. Okay, never mind. 
I think Trump had a skiff before 2016. In fact, I know he did. But, um, well, I don't know. I shouldn't say I know. I, be- I strongly believe Trump had skiffs at his as these locations before he ran for president in 2016. But private companies can have skiffs. Pri- many private businesses have their own skiffs and secure work environments. And I think Trump had one too. But once he started running for president and became president, um, it then became managed by Secret Service, I think. Um, or secured by Secret Service. Okay. Evidence of bias and investigative misconduct. President Trump is entitled to, entitled to disclosures regarding the issues set forth below, which support his defense relating to the potentially the politically motivated and biased nature of the investigation that led to the pending charges. The requested materials are discoverable because they support pretrial motions under the Sixth Amendment, due process principles, and other constitutional limitations on governmental conduct during a criminal investigation. The materials are also subject to Brady obligations of the special counsel's office because they requested information that can be used to, quote, attack the reliability of the investigation and argue that it was shoddy. Attacking the politically motivated nature of a case is one permissible form of impeachment at trial. See United States versus Eli, 1984. Let's see. What is this footnote? Quinn. Okay. For example, President Biden's unprecedented and politically motivated abuse uh, abuse of President Trump's executive privilege in response to inquiries from the January 6th committee and in subsequent purported delegation of that decision to NARA, as reflected in the May 10th, 2022 letter that we read at the beginning of the show, is central to these issues. Therefore, the special counsel's office should be required to disclose the materials described below. Special counsel coordination with the Biden administration. Communications with prosecution team members regarding the underlying investigation by members, relatives, or associates of the Biden administration are discoverable because they support President Trump's defense regarding the politically motivated nature of the prosecution. See Bowen versus Maynard, 1986. In April 2022, the New York Times reported that, quote, As recently as late last year, Mr. Biden confided to his inner circle that he believed former President Donald J. Trump was a threat to democracy and should be prosecuted, according to two people familiar with his comments. The article also indicated that Biden had, quote, said privately that he wanted the Attorney General Garland to act less like a ponderous judge and more like a prosecutor who was willing to take decisive action. On November 9th, 2022, Biden was less private. At a press conference, Biden stated, quote, We just have to demonstrate that he will not take power. If we, if he does run, I'm making sure he, under legitimate efforts of our Constitution, does not become the next president again. On November 15th, President Trump announced that he would run for the second term as president. On November 18th, Biden's Justice Department appointed Jack Smith to oversee the case. Three days later. This sequence of events supports President Trump's defense that the charges against him are politically motivated. Many of the actions by the special counsel's office, and in particular their efforts to rush to trial based on misrepresentations about discovery and unprecedented schedule in this case and the D.C. case on behalf of the Biden administration, fly in the face of the Justice Manual, Section 9-85.500. 
This provision was promulgated in August 2022, just months before Jack Smith was put Jack Smith was put in place and provides that actions that may have an impact on an election. Federal prosecutors and agents may never select the timing of any action, including investigative steps, criminal charges, or statements for the purpose of affecting any election or for the purpose of giving an advantage or disadvantage to any candidate or political party. Such a purpose is inconsistent with the department's mission and with the principles of federal prosecution. Any action likely to raise an issue or the perception of an issue under this provision requires consultation with the public integrity section, and such action shall not be taken if the public integrity section advises that further consultation is required with the deputy attorney general or the attorney general. The conduct of the office in this case plainly violates Section 9-85.500 and would, under normal circumstances, be, quote, inconsistent with the department's mission. But these are not normal circumstances. President Trump has, or President Biden has all but admitted that through leaks to the New York Times and his November 2022 press statement, and the Attorney General has acknowledged that he personally authorized this investigation and approved the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Given these circumstances, any communications between members of the prosecution team and members, relatives, or associates of President Biden concerning the investigation are discoverable because they support President Trump's defense that this prosecution is improper and politically motivated. The special counsel's office must review the electronic communications of all prosecution team members and produce any such documents. All potentially discoverable material within the custody or control of the prosecution team should be reviewed. Two, Biden administration coordination with Georgia prosecutors. This is going to be juicy. Relatedly, communications between the Biden administration and prosecutors in Georgia regarding any of the pending prosecutions of President Trump are similarly supportive of President Trump's political bias defense and must be disclosed. On January 12, 2024, congressional inquiry and other sources indicate that such materials exist. See Exhibit 63. Uh, Let's go do that. Is it sealed? Is it sealed? 62 isn't sealed. 63, not sealed. Okay. Nathan Wade, the man who has been Willis'ing Fanny's, Willis's Fanny, Nathan Wade, January 12th, 2024. Congressional inquiry and other sources indicate that such materials exist. Okay, what does this letter say? Wade and Ken- Dear Mr. Wade. This is from Committee on the Judiciary. The Committee on the Judiciary continues to conduct oversight of politically motivated prosecutions by state and local officials. Based on recent reports, we believe that you possess documents and information about the coordination of the Fulton County District Attorney's Office with other other politically motivated investigations and prosecutions and the potential misuse of federal funds. Accordingly, we ask for your cooperation with oversight on August 14th, 2023. With your assistance, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie T. Willis indicted a former president of the United States and current declared candidate for office. According to a recent court filing, you have been paid more than $650,000. 
at a rate of $250 per hour to serve as an attorney consultant and later a special assistant district attorney. In the unprecedented investigation and prosecution of former president and former federal officials. This filing also alleges that while receiving a substantial amount of money from Fulton County, you spent extravagantly on lavish vacations with your boss, Miss Willis. Although Miss Willis will so far has so far refused to cooperate with our oversight of the FCDAOs, that's the Fulton County District Attorney's Office, coordination with other politically motivated prosecutions, invoices that you submitted for payment by the FCDAO and made public as part of this court filing, highlight this conclusion. This new information appears to be to substantiate our concerns that Ms. Willis's politicized prosecution, including the decision to convene a special purpose grand jury, was aided by partisan Democrats in Washington, D.C. For example, in April 2022, you billed $6,000 for 24 hours of, quote, team meeting conference with January 6th research legal issues to prep intervention from April 18th to 2022 prep in Tev. I'm not, I'm sure if that's intervention or interview, one of the probably interview in April, in May, 2022, you billed $2,000 for eight hours of travel to Athens conference with white house council. In that same invoice, you billed $2,000 for eight hours of team meeting conference with January 6th, special purpose grand jury witness prep. On September 22, you billed $6,000 for 24 hours of witness interviews and conference call DC team meeting. In November 2022, you billed $2,000 for eight hours of January 6th meeting with an attorney conference. In that same invoice, you billed $2,000 for eight hours of interview with D.C. White House. The Fulton County District Attorney's Office reportedly compensated you using a concoction of commingled funds, including monies confiscated, confiscated or seized by the FCDAO and monies directed from Fulton County's general fund. The committee has informed or has information that the FCDAO received approximately $14.6 million in grant funds from the Department of Justice between 2020 and 2023. And given the enormous legal fees you have billed in the FCDAO, there are open questions about whether federal funds were used by the FCDAO to finance your prosecution. In fact, on one day, November 5th, 2021, you billed taxpayers for 24 hours of legal work attesting that you worked all day and night without break on a politically motivated prosecution. Oops. A recent news report corroborates your coordination with partisan Democrats, explaining that you and FCDAO staff quietly met with the partisan January 6th committee, which allowed you to review information they had gathered. Politico reported that the partisan January 6th committee provided Ms. Willis's prosecution a boost, quote unquote, as she prepared to convene a special grand jury and even, quote, helped prosecutors prepare for interviews and key witnesses, which sounds exactly like what you build the FCDA 04 right here. 
The same article suggests that the partisan January 6th committee provided you access to records it withheld from other law enforcement entities and even other members of Congress. Boom. Do you guys remember back during the January 6th committee on this show, I several times pointed out how the DOJ and the January 6th committee were fighting and how DOJ was not happy with the January 6th committee and was withholding documents and because they were withholding documents from them. Remember that the January 6th committee gave a middle finger to DOJ and said, we're doing our own thing. We're not turning this stuff over to you and they're doing their own stuff. And then the um, DOJ kept trying to get them to give it to them. And remember like fake news on the right kept on saying that DOJ and January 6th committee were coordinating and working together to get Trump but then you go into the documents and you see, no, actually they're not. And Benny Thompson was telling DOJ to back off. This is our own investigation. Here we go. This is what's going on here, where the January 6th committee actually withheld records from, from FBI and DOJ and got in the way of DOJ and FBI investigations related to January 6th because they had their own political witch hunt that they were engaged in. And then they gave some of that information to Fannie Willis and her team. The committee has serious concerns about the degree of improper coordination among politicized actors, including the Biden White House, to investigate and prosecute President Biden's chief political opponent. This new information released recently only reinforces the committee's, uh, committee's concerns about politically motivated prosecutions by state and local officials. To advance our oversight, we ask that you please produce the following documents and information for the period of November 1st, 2021, to the President. One, all documents and communications in your possession between or among the Fulton County District Attorney's Office, including yourself and the U.S. Department of Justice and its components, including but not limited to Special Counsel Smith, referring or relating to District County, uh, Fulton County District Attorney's Office, all documents communications in your possession between or among Fulton County District Attorney Office, including yourself, and Executive Office of the President, including but not limited to the White House Counsel's Office. All documents communications in your possession between or among Fulton County District Attorney Office, including yourself and the January 6th uh, Committee. All notes, memoranda, documents, and other material in your possession referring or relating to your meetings, conference calls, phone calls or other interactions with the U.S. Department of Justice, Executive Office of the President, and the January 6th Committee. All invoices, and including credit card statements, and individualized reimbursement requests submitted by you and your law partners to the Fulton County District Attorney's Office relating to its investigation of President Trump, and all contracts and financial arrangements between you and the Fulton County District Attorney's Office relating to its investigation of President Trump. Please provide this information as soon as possible, but not later than 10 a.m. on January 26th. Uh, what is today? The 22nd, so four days from now. Sincerely, Jim Jordan. Ha. <laughs> All right. One of Wade's invoices indicates that he devoted eight hours to a conference with White House counsel on May 23rd, May 23rd, 2022. The meeting occurred within weeks of New York Times reporting on President Biden's leaked statement that President Trump should be prosecuted. 
and around the same time that Jonathan Sue from the White House Counsel's Office was working with NARA to manipulate the PRA in an effort to disclose records to the FBI and the January 6th committee. Another of Wade's invoices indicates that he spent eight hours in an interview with D.C. White House on November 18th, 2022. This is the same day that Attorney General Garland issued the order appointing Jack Smith. Just after President Trump formally announced his candidacy in 2024 election, and is within weeks of President Biden's public statement that he was, quote, making sure that President Trump does not become the next president again. Under these circumstances, evidence demonstrating that parts of the Biden administration coordinated with the Georgia prosecutors to file additional politically charged, uh, politically motivated charges, while the same White House counsel's office was coordinating with NARA under the investigation, supports President Trump's defense that the Biden administration was coordinating behind the scenes to try to eliminate President Biden's leading political rival. The special counsel's office must produce any documents further reflecting this coordination. Oh, this is fun. Intelligence community bias. Subjective assessment by the intelligence community concerning the documents at issue are central to this case. The special counsel's office will be required to present testimony from intelligence community witnesses regarding alleged sensitivities associated with the documents, classification status, and claims about potential harm from unauthorized disclosure. One of the ways in which President Trump will challenge that testimony is by demonstrating that the intelligence community has operated with a bias against him, dating back to at least 2019 whistleblower complaint relating to his call with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. The perfect phone call, of course. Evidence of such bias is subject to Giglio and must be disclosed. The following day, let's see, wait, 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 wait. The following day after that disclosure, Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe submitted a related letter to Congress regarding analytic bias in the intelligence community's assessment of the 2020 election. Ratcliffe explained that, quote, similar actions by Russia and China are assessed and communicated to policy makers differently and suggested that political considerations or under pressure uh, had influence influence an intelligence community assessment. Citing a dissenting view by a senior official from the Office of Director of National Intelligence, Ratcliffe des described, quote, institutional pressures that have been brought to bear on others who agree with him. In particular, Ratcliffe emphasized Dr. Zuloff's finding that, quote, CIA management took actions pressuring analysts to withdraw their support from the alternative viewpoint on China in an attempt to suppress it. The court should require the special counsel's office to produce materials relating to issues raised by Ratcliffe and Dr. Zuloff because it constitutes admissible impeachment of intelligence community witnesses. Ooh, guys. So that's COVID. Trump's team is saying that Jack Smith plans to use some of the, the same intelligence community people, the same intelligence community people that went against Ratcliffe in his assessment of the origins of COVID, he's going to use them to testify in this case. Therefore, Trump and team should get discovery on that pushback that Ratcliffe received in order to show bias against him. So that means we could get COVID origin disclosures 
out of this doc's case. Or at least disclosures of how the IC went against and tried to cover up the lab origin of COVID. President Trump is entitled to evidence that CIA leadership pressured analysts to reach particular conclusions, which he can use to further develop his defense and cross-examine CIA witnesses as appropriate. For example, while President Trump will move to preclude the office's proffered expert testimony, evidence of this type of bias would be admissible impeachment, um, admissible impeachment should that motion be denied in whole or in part. Therefore, the office should be required to produce all of the underlying materials relating to the congressional submissions by Ratcliffe and Zuloff. Let's see. I still got more time. NARA bias and improper coordination in pretrial motions and at trial. Part of President Trump's defense will rely. <coughs> pardon me. Will rely. Where'd that go? <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> got a scratch in my throat. I mean, I mentioned COVID and now I got the coof. This issue is relevant to pretrial motions to dismiss based on the violations of the PRA and President Trump's due process rights and to the trial defenses discussed above relating to political motivations acted on by government officials that comprise their judgment and integrity. Given these defenses, Nara's status as a member of the prosecution team and the record evidence indicating that or record evidence that indicate there are additional responsive materials the office should be required to collect from Nara and produce documents and communications related to the following specific topics. Bullet point. President Trump's invocation of executive privilege in response to PRA access request arising from inquiries by the J6 committee, DOJ and law enforcement. Consultations regarding President Trump with Worm and the White House Counsel's Office. Referrals to prosecuting authorities. Efforts to redacted concerning President Trump to achieve an agreed upon objective. I wonder what that is. Efforts to avoid redacted to President Trump under the PRA. Instructions or advice from the Biden administration, prosecutors, or law enforcement to redacted to President Trump and his representatives. Drafts of the May 10th, 2022 letter in which NARA claimed that President Biden had delegated his authority. Ooh, are we going to learn that initially the drafts from Deborah Steidel Wall didn't, didn't make it clear that it was her decision? Are there drafts of it where it was Deborah Steidel Wall said on the advice of White House counsel, I am doing this or on the advice of the assistant attorney general or at the direction of the White House, but then they later went back and changed it and made her the person 
who made the decision when in fact it wasn't her. It was the White House counsel or it was Assistant Attorney General who made that decision to not to not um, to not enforce um, or take up Trump's executive privilege over the documents. Advanced knowledge of the August eighth, twenty twenty two raid at Mar a Lago. Is that Trump's advanced knowledge? Because he definitely knew. <laughs> and responses to requests for assistance and purported grand jury subpoenas. The office's production of materials from NARA should include unredacted versions of communications that have been released by NARA pursuant to FOIA in redacted form. Other prosecution team bias. In light of the pres of President Trump's anticipated defenses, the special counsel's office should also be required to produce documents and communications reflecting bias and or political animus toward President Trump by members of the prosecution team. The record supporting this request includes the August 4th, 2022 FBI email memorializing the statement redacted. Dadgummit, I want to know what that, what is that statement? This is surely going to be under seal. On the chance that it's not, let's just take a look. Let's just see. Maybe it's not. Yep, it is. The related comment in Exhibit 35 that redacted, particularly given the anticipated litigation over the subsequent decision by the special counsel's office to breach President Trump's privilege with that attorney. It's about, a, okay, it's about an attorney. I wonder if it's about Corcoran. That might be about Corcoran and their effort to uh, get Corcoran's notes. Brain strain again. Thank you very much. I'm glad you're smiling bigly. I am too. I'm enjoying this document. The participation in the investigation of Austin Evers from the DOJ's Office of the Deputy Attorney General, which was revealed by FOIA request, given the bias reflected in Evers' work for a partisan advocacy group called American Oversight, and his November 2020 comments to The New Yorker, that one, he had, quote, litigation in the can relating to the PRA, and two, quote, there are a lot of senior officials in the Trump administration who have been relying on impunity to sleep well at night, and I think will dawn, it will dawn on them over the coming days and weeks that the records they leave behind will be in the hands of people they do not trust, including career public servants. Oh, at least, okay, here we, it's a link to uh, that interview. Trump would assert dictatorial powers. Please do, Trump. Please, please do. The participation in the investigation of Martin Letterman from DOJ's Office of Legal Counsel, which was also revealed via FOIA. Given Letterman's social media posts reflecting animus towards President Trump, which are still available. Six, production of all correspondence and or communications concerning counsel. As the court is aware, quote, the classified documents case against former President Donald J. Trump has involved a number of, quote, attention grabbing developments involving defense counsel. Largely, these were addressed in Defense Counsel's August 14, 2023 sealed submission to the court in response to the court's August 7, 2023 order requesting more information about the redacted. As if the events described in these filings were not enough, through discovery, 
redacted, 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 redacted. As early as January of 2023, redacted. Specifically, on January 30th, 2023, FBI records reflect a redacted, redacted, redacted. Exhibit 66. As this court is no doubt aware with respect to subpoenas for information concerning an attorney-client relationship, the Justice Manual advises, because of the potential effects upon an attorney-client relationship that may result from the issuance of a subpoena for to an attorney for information relating to the attorney's representation of a client, the department exercises close control over subpoenas to attorneys for information relating to the representation of clients. Specifically, such subpoenas, quote, must first be authorized by the Assistant Attorney General or Deputy Assistant Attorney General for the Criminal Division before they may issue unless the, circum <laughs> unless the circumstances warrant application of an exception not relevant here. Here, redacted, redacted. In a voluntary interview with redacted, redacted, redacted. One telling colloquy proceeds as follows. Redacted. Redacted, redacted. So interested is the office in redacted. Then a subsequent interview in April of 2023 redacted. The office observes with respect to redacted, 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 redacted. Although the, although the office may argue that neither assistant attorney general or deputy assistant, assistant attorney general for the criminal division approval were required for its redacted. Guys, I think this is FISA. I'm looking for context clues. Although the office may argue that neither assistant attorney general nor deputy assistant attorney general for the criminal division approval were required for its redacted because it was not seeking information protected by the attorney client privilege, their request that be redacted, redacted, belie any such suggestion. See, I just, what is this redacted request? that they are talking about here. And I'm just wondering if, does it make sense if I read it as, although the office may argue that neither assistant attorney general nor deputy assistant attorney general for the criminal division approval were required for its FISA warrant application because it was not seeking information protected by attorney client privilege. So I, I've, Occasionally, through reading these documents in this case, I brought this up before on the show, that I occasionally get the sense that there was a FISA application, that they, they sought to get another FISA on Trump or one of Trump's attorneys, just like they did in Spygate. I could be wrong. I could, I could be wrong, but I just wonder if they did. Considering all the facts and circumstances surrounding the office's interactions with Mr. Woodward, including what now has been learned in discovery, it is clear that the office has long been interested in Mr. Woodward's representation. And remember, they were trying to offer Wood, Stanley Woodward a judgeship. There's like this accusation that Jay Bratt floated the idea of, 
of giving Walton Nada's attorney, Stanley Woodward, or like pushing him to get a judgeship if he would get Walton to uh, get Walt to turn on Trump. And there's uh there's there's a filing about that where Stanley Woodward has put in he didn't just complain about it, he actually noticed a court about that beha- that um unethical conduct. It is therefore likely that the office is in possessions of additional communications concerning Mr. Woodward. Redacted. Redacted. Because such communications would be material to the defense in this action, the office should be compelled to produce the same or confirm in writing that no such material exists. All right. Production of all correspondence and or communications concerning the search of Mar-a-Lago. In its search of Mar-a-Lago, the office searched President Trump's personal residence. When she testified before the grand jury, redacted, 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 redacted. I wonder if that's Christina Bob. Might be someone else. It might be that uh, another Trump, a Trump employee. Exhibit sixty nine. I'm pretty sure Exhibit sixty nine is is sealed. We got John Harold last night to admit that he is sixty nine percent sure that the Trump. DeSantis drama was kayfabe. Just FYI. Happened live on Defected. It was a pretty good episode. You should you guys should check it out. Uh let's see. That's 65. Where is 69? Ah, under seal. There we go. The significance of this oversight by the office in its search of Mar-a-Lago cannot be overstated. Specifically, one of the manner and means of the conspiracy with which the defendants are charged includes, quote, moving boxes of documents to conceal them from Trump attorney one, the FBI and the grand jury. Superseding indictment, page 3997B. Emphasis added, the only time the FBI searched for classified materials was during the August 8th, 2022 search of Mar-a-Lago. It follows, then, that the office will attempt to argue that boxes of classified material were moved in and around President's residence for the purpose of concealing them from the same FBI during its search. Redacted, redacted is critical to any such argument. Moreover, we know from communications produced through discovery that... Redacted, 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 redacted. Exhibit 70, under seal. It is inexplicable that members of the FBI, let alone the special counsel's office, would have no communications concerning the decision not to search an area of President Trump's residence. Ooh, okay, guys. So whatever this is about, this oversight, right? This oversight they're talking about here is that the FBI did not search an area of President Trump's residence. There's some area that they ignored. What you want to bet it's the skiff. What do you want to bet that is the skiff that they did not look into? I bet. Because they want, because they would want to omit that. Like, 
So they don't search the skiff, and then therefore the skiff is never mentioned in the indictment as they detail where they searched and where they found things. It's completely left out because that helps paint the picture that, that the Mar-a-Lago was not secure. And Trump wasn't authorized to have this stuff. They didn't search. Yeah, Jason, they did not search the Batcave. Bet, bet. I'm going to put that bet right down right now. That's what they're talking about here. Any such and such communications have infamously, infamously not been disclosed in recent high profile cases. Accordingly, the SCO special counsel's office should be compelled to search for and produce all correspondence about the search of Mar-a-Lago on August 8th. Wonder why they switched to SCO. They've been calling it the office and not SCO. I wonder if a different author wrote this section. Because they've been really consistent in filings calling it the office. All right. Production of CCTV video footage that is from June 2022. Central to the special counsel's prosecution of President Trump and uh, messengers or messieurs, Nada and De Oliveira is the uh, allegation that the three conspired to hide classified documents from investigators. This is definitely a different author. Nobody has done this messieurs thing. It's been Mr. Nada and Mr. De Oliveira. Now it's Mr.'s right here. All right. Specifically, one of the specifically one of the manner and means of the conspiracy with which the defendants are charged includes moving boxes of documents to conceal them from Trump attorney one, the FBI and the grand jury. The superseding indictment also alleges that president Trump and Mr. Nada quote misled Trump attorney one. That's Evan Corcoran, who I think is a snake by moving boxes that contain documents with classified markings so that Trump attorney one would not find the documents and produce them to the federal grand jury. And that president Trump and Mr. Nada hid concealed and covered up from the FBI and the grand jury, President Trump's continued possession of documents with classified markings. Well, if they did, dude, what if they move them to the skiff? <laughs> they put them in the skiff for safekeeping. FBI shows up, doesn't look in the skiff. Evan Corcoran says that they were hidden. Right? Like this is this is what's happening in June. This isn't the August 8th raid. This is in June. Where Evan Corcoran tries to get Christina Bob to sign off on a piece of paper attesting that all marked classified documents had been turned over. Christina Bob says, no, I didn't conduct the search. I'm not going to sign a piece of paper attesting to that as a fact. I don't know that. And then Evan Corcoran gets pissy about it because he was trying to entrap Christina Bob. And then this allegation comes out that Trump was having Nada move all this stuff around in an effort to conceal them from the FBI. What if they actually move them all to the skiff because that's the most secure place and then the FBI comes around and doesn't look in the skiff? And Evan Corcoran doesn't look in the skiff where he knows they are, but instead looks everywhere else. And says, oh, they're not here. Here, Christina, sign this document saying they're not here. This purported concealment 
allegedly occurred in May and June of 2022, when in the days leading up to Trump attorney one's scheduled review of boxes in a storage room purportedly containing documents with classified markings. Mr. Nada is alleged to have removed approximately 64 boxes from the storage room to President Trump's residence, and Nada and De Oliveira brought a return to the storage room approximately 30 boxes. As evidence of the fact that Trump Attorney 1 did not review all the boxes purportedly containing documents with classified markings, the special counsel has alleged that when the storage room was inspected by special counsel attorney Jay Bratt, on June 3rd, 2022, it differed in appearance from how the storage room was depicted in November of 2021. And then it gives us uh, see the, the search warrant describing how uh, Jay Bratt was permitted to access that area. Thereafter, the superseding indictment alleges when the storage room was searched by the FBI on August 8th, 2022, documents with classified markings were discovered that the superseding indictment insinuates were not present when Trump attorney one searched the storage room in June of 2022. Of note, the superseding indictment does not allege that boxes of the type found in the storage room were recovered anywhere other than the storage room. Therefore, critical to the defense of special counsel's allegations is whether more boxes were removed from the storage room then we'll return to the storage room prior to Trump attorney one's review of those boxes. And assuming the documents with classified markings that were recovered by the FBI during its search of the storage room were moved to the storage room at some point between June 3rd review by Trump attorney one and the August 8th search by the FBI, how, why, and who moved the boxes to the storage room during that time. Put simply CCTV footage in this matter is central to the special counsel's prosecution and the defense. However, the special counsel's production of CCTV footage has been unworkable and precludes defense counsel from having meaningful access to this crucial discovery. Hmm. At the outset of its initial production of discovery in this case, the special counsel produced roughly 80 terabytes of data consisting of CCTV footage. In July, on July 6, 2023, a cover letter accompanying the production, special counsel indicated that the CCTV footage was contained in 21 separate folders as depicted in the below excerpt of their correspondence. There you go. Obviously, there you go. Each of these folders contained hundreds of individual files that had been compressed using proprietary software 7-Zip. Decompressing these folders required hundreds of hours. Below is a screenshot of the extraction folder 1B6 from October 2023. And below that is a screenshot of the extraction folder 1B18 from November of 2023. Of note, defense counsel learned that these files were not produced to the, the special counsel's office in such a compressed format. Rather, the special counsel compressed them and then produced them to defense counsel in a manner in a manner requiring hundreds of hours of extraction time before the video could be reviewed. 
In addition, the special counsel's production included, quote, proprietary players produced by the camera system vendors, and such video will play exclusively in the player manufactured by the same company. Upon extraction of the players, however, defense counsel continued to have issues playing the video. Defense counsel for Mr. Nada was not able to launch the proprietary video player at all. Defense counsel encountered the below errors, which were shared with the special counsel on January 11, 2024, but to date has received no response. Counsel for Mr. De Oliveira encountered similar issues. Initially, in November of 2023, the special counsel directed counsel for Mr. De Oliveira to consult tech support with Milestone, the company that created the software that captures the CCTV footage at Mar-a-Lago. In turn, Milestone Tech Support advised Defense Counsel that the Special Counsel's production lacked required technical configuration files. When Defense Counsel advised the Special Counsel of this fact, the Special Counsel advised that, quote, the FBI also initially had difficulty viewing some videos and advised that to make the video work, additional files would need to be copied in each of the individual folders, of which there are thousands. Thus, from its initial receipt of the video, that it's crucial to the defense of this case, the special counsel was aware of issues viewing the video. So they were aware that it was difficult, that the, the format was going to require hundreds of hours to extract, and they were aware that the player was difficult to use, and they were aware that the configuration files would need to be individually added to each individual folder, of which there were thousands of folders, and they did not make defense aware of any of this and let them figure it out on their own, thus contributing to how long it has taken them to go through this footage. They gave them stumbling block after stumbling block after stumbling block. To that end, internal documentation of the special counsel's receipt and processing of the CCTV, CCTV confirmed that defense counsel was not provided with video that defense counsel can readily access. For example, redacted. Accordingly, this court should compel the production of CCTV footage in a manner that is readily accessible to defense counsel. The government's obligation to produce exculpatory evidence is supplemented by Rule 16. It defies credulity to suggest that the defense counsel has satisfied its burden by first altering the raw data it received and then knowingly producing it in a way that rendered unreviewable. We know the special counsel has rendered the video viewable because it included key sections of that video in its production of video to the defendants. The special counsel should be required to produce all the video it obtained in this viewable format. Uh, let's see. Okay. Conclusion. For the foregoing reasons. President Trump respectfully submits that the court should, one, following any necessary hearing to resolve factual disputes, issue an order setting the appropriate scope of the prosecution team in this case for purposes of discovery obligations of the special counsel's office. Two, compel the office to disclose the information requested in this brief and in the accompanying classified supplement. Respectfully, Todd Blanche and Christopher Keis. Counsel for President Donald J. Trump. Guys, we did it. We finished this document. We finished this filing. 
there are more filings in this case uh, since that one that came in at the end of last week, but I am out of time. So we will get to those on the next show on Wednesday. And um, let's see here. Let's see here. Before I go, I need to adjust something over here. Just a second. Before I go, one, if you would, please, if you're so inclined, hit the thumbs up on Rumble. That helps me out a bunch. Two, change your notification bell on Rumble to be instant. <laughs> um, that will help you a bunch. Uh, but if you don't know, I'm all, it's all, it's almost always Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 9 30 AM. Like that's my time. So, um, also follow me on my socials because I put out notifications there that I'm going to go live. And I also put out the links for the replay there and my threads and all that stuff. If you really, really like the show and you want me to do more, more of this and more shows, then visit my support links. Ko-Fi, Benson Honey Farms, Bootleg, Manly Cans, my merch, all that stuff. And uh, if you're not subscribed to my Substack, hit that up. Everything on there is free. And that's where you can get a podcast version of this show. Right? Like that's where if you want to have an audio version of the show so you can listen to it while you do work or whatever, that's where the, that's where the um, audio version comes out. And I had a question earlier today on... Um, True social, somebody wanted to download this for listening on a on a plane. And um, if you go to I was able to do it in my browser on my phone. I haven't actually tried this live. There we go. It's the RSS feed. You can point this to your favorite podcast player, this RSS feed. So if you want it to be Apple Podcast or whatever, um, you can point it. It's this is right here. You can listen to it on the Substack app, or you can set this to go to Apple, or you can set it to go to Spotify or Podbeam or whatever. And then it'll automatically keep updating. You only have to do it one time. So those are the those are the ways to support the show. And uh I appreciate it very much. So thanks guys for uh tuning in today. It's been all docs all day. And DZ Dork, why are you using two different accounts? You gave thumbs ups on both accounts. Awesome. Thank you, DZ Dork. Now I get it. Thank you very much. Um, Team Smooth confirms. Yep, the podcast can be auto-downloaded. That's right. Karen Hare 7. Awesome meeting you at GART. Glad you were there. As you can attest, I'm the same in person as I am on screen, huh? I'm the same. Um, so... And everybody who, who we got to meet at uh, in Irvine, man, that was a great event. I'm looking forward to the Dallas event. If you haven't got tickets yet, they're going really, really fast. There's not as many available because it's a much smaller venue. So Dallas, GART event, I will be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. I've got to run. My dogs need me. And uh, my toddler needs me. So y'all have a blessed day. Stay positive and remember, we're not going to win every battle, but we are going to win this war. I'll see you later.
said, and you never began to set a foot. 